Hello, you are listening to the Batfans podcast brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Enjoy the show. Why should the Do you think anybody listens to this? <laughs> I mean, do, do, do you guys know? <laughs> well, I know there's a, I know there's a few people who I've got uh, like a uh, Twitter messages for. But <laughs> like who? Terrence. I- is his name? Oh yeah, yeah. He's I the only one that reviewed us on iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? So we got. We should ask Dozen what the numbers are. Yeah. <laughs> Three. Dude, do we really want to know? <laughs> oh, and I do notice on the, uh, the Facebook post whenever they post the new episode up, there's always one person who gives it a thumbs up. <laughs> I didn't know your mom had Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know your mom had Facebook, Tim. Hey everybody, it's another Bad Fans podcast. I think this is number 11. <laughs> One off, we are number 12. <laughs> oh, number 12. Oh, I feel old now. <laughs> I know, it's been a long journey. <laughs> All 12 episodes. Meanwhile, the the, Bat, the Batman Universe podcasts are like nearing 100. <laughs> we're making but, We're catching up. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um... I'm Dane, and today I have with me uh, Tim Tebow. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How's it going, Tim Tebow? Doing good. Football season's coming up, so this yeah, day, so, so I wanted to ask you, how does it feel to be second-string quarterback again? I like it. It kind of gives me more chance to focus on my Batman comics and my Batman fandom. Uh, so. I can put football second. Yeah, you can sit on the bench, and you can be making millions of dollars for doing that, right? Exactly. Can't complain. <laughs> uh, it's perfect. Um and we also have jolly old Peter James from England, <laughs> otherwise known as PJ, his rap name. <laughs> yeah, my street name. <laughs> <laughs> would, would that make me uh, special teams then, if you guys are the quarterbacks? Would I, <laughs> I come on every once in a while, kick something, and then, you know, just leave? <laughs> that's, that's exactly you. But um, PJ, what, uh, what productions are we working on? Uh, me, currently. Uh, the only ones I could say would be horribly embarrassing, uh, but I'm currently working on um, a musical version of the Spice Girls. Oh, I don't yeah. even know if you guys would know it. Yeah, okay, you do. <laughs> um, and uh, they're doing a play version of uh, Finding Neverland. Do you know there was the Johnny okay. Depp movie? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a lot better to work on than the yeah. Spice Girls. <laughs> It's a lot of fun, actually, but, uh, yeah, I could, you know, <laughs> maybe uh, we'll ruin some of my street cred a little bit. <laughs> well, at least they're doing a musical on it at the height of their fame. I mean, it's not like they're missing the boat on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, PJ's over there making a big indention in the theater, uh, theater market of England. But this past week, was it, Tim? Yes. Uh, it was the 20th anniversary of the Batman animated series, uh, Such a here. monumental week. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I bet uh, people took a moment of silence or uh, a day to reflect on their experiences of 
Batman the Animated Series, but uh, Tim, since you're such a big fan, how did you um, how did you come to the animated series and stuff? Yeah, I mean, this is like the first big thing I guess that I was into where it's celebrating its 20th anniversary that I can remember like from the very beginning. I mean, with me, you know, being a big Star Wars fan, when that 20th anniversary came up, I couldn't say, wow, I can't believe Star Wars is 20 years old because I wasn't there from the beginning. But with this, I vividly remember the first day I watched it and then just watching the whole series, and now I just can't believe that it's 20 years old. It doesn't feel like it's like maybe 10 years old, but <laughs> not 20. But I just vividly remember the first day of premiere just being so excited for it because it was the fall after Batman Returns came out. And I was just all into Batman Returns. And I was kind of expecting for the show to be like a continuation of Batman Returns, where he's going to have the black suit. It's going to be the same Bruce Wayne, same character design, same costume design as that movie had. So when the very first episode premiered, it was a Saturday morning, like a special sneak peek. It was the cat and the claw. And I'm sure they put that episode because they wanted to feature Catwoman because of Batman Returns. And after I saw it, this is going to sound horrible <laughs> coming from me, but I was actually a little disappointed with it. I was like, oh, that's not the Batman from the Batman movies. Where's this black costume? And what's with his voice? I don't like his voice. His chin's too big. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, this wasn't what I was looking for. But that quickly turned around on the very next episode that I saw, <laughs> which was on, which was, I know on the Sunday night afterwards, they premiered on Leather Wings, which I didn't get a chance to see because I, I, was, I wasn't home that night. I don't remember where, but... But then the, the following Monday, it was the first episode to premiere in its normal time slot, which was weekdays, and then got 5 o'clock, which was Heart of Ice, was the first episode they showed. And that's kind of what, I guess, converted me one episode after I'm being disappointed with Cat in the Claw. But it was just a great episode that not only I remember I enjoyed, but, like, my parents were real shocked as how good that show was. <laughs> just expected to be, like, another like, kid's Batman show. They were like, wow, this story is really like emotional and like, we really enjoyed it. Like we want to watch the show with you guys now all the time. <laughs> so you actually caught it while it was airing, not in reruns. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh. Giving away my age here. <laughs> <laughs> that was nine uh. when it started. So <laughs> when you wow. do 20 years, you can, the old man, <laughs> the old man. I know. I'm surprised I can remember it so well in my old age. <laughs> Did you have anything else, or was that it? Well, that was my, I guess, initial exposure to the series when it first came on. But I was curious to see what you guys, like, what was your, did you catch it when it first aired, or did you catch it later on? Um, well, I'm going to I'm gonna um, show my age now, because uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize until this week, uh, um, because I didn't realize it was going to be 20 years old. Um, so I was three when it, uh, when it started, um, which kind of makes sense, because, yeah, I, I definitely don't have, I kind of, you know, I didn't have many thoughts or intelligence at that stage of my life. So I don't, I don't really remember it beginning. I just remember it being there. Um, but... I'm, from a very early age, it was my dad actually who like just let us watch the the first two Tim Burton movies, um, which obviously by that point were on home video, so I didn't see them at the cinema. Um, and it, interesting you saying that that you were a little bit disappointed that it wasn't for you it wasn't the Batman from the movies because maybe being that little bit younger, I like I just completely believed that that just was the, like, continuation of those movies. Okay. Um, and, and that was just kind of the way to see 
the rest of the world that had come from those movies sort of thing. Um, I think, like, just because it was the, you know, like, the yellow circle kind of symbol sort of thing um, on the costume was a, was enough of an anchor point, I think, for me, where I was just like, okay, that's just, like, the cartoon version. Um, and I think it was only then when Batman Forever came out that I actually started to notice, like, a difference between the cartoon world and the and the movie world. I noticed how much better the cartoon world was than the movie world. <laughs> well, see, this is this is the other thing. I, I'd almost fit into a similar category as you as um, almost being ashamed of my my childlike self because I used to. Um, I mean, there were I didn't see many episodes as a, as a very like young child because um, I, I couldn't even tell you what channel it was kind of shown on over here. Um, so what, it certainly wasn't one that was easily enough to find. So maybe it was like a cable or a satellite channel. Um, and then I think, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think I must have like, had one home video. So I must have seen like one particular episode about 15,000 times. And that was just my <laughs> own kind of, that was the only episode I had until until I grew up. But I always, it used to be, I think because it was so dark and so adult and so serious, some of the episodes did kind of, I remember as a kid, I'd be like, "When's he? When's he going to be Batman? I, I want to see. I want to see Batman. I want to see Batman fighting." And the, you know, because there's so much Bruce Wayne, and there's so much kind of you know actual proper storylines in these episodes. But you know, as a, as then like a three to five year old kid, all I wanted to see was just Batman. And when's you know when's Batman going to be there and and doing Batman stuff? Um, which I so I always think that as a child. Um, Batman the Brave and the Bold is is the cartoon for kids, I think. Yeah, and it services that need in that it is just it is nothing but Batman doing, you know, crazy, crazy Batman things. But I think that really speaks more to a, a younger child. And so then it was really as I started to get older and started to actually get into comic books and stuff that I went back and started picking up the DVDs by that point because the world had evolved, <laughs> which is still so really hard to get in this country i know me and you had a conversation about that a while ago tim as to just how hard it is to get kind of get the complete set uh which i do now just through uh, itunes and stuff but um so it, yeah it's only really in like the last couple of years that i've been able to watch and enjoy all of them for just like the true masterpieces that they are um i was four four years old when this premiered when this came out so like pj I probably couldn't retain it even if I did watch it. Yeah. Um, but how I came to the series was my parents and I and my two sisters took a trip to Colorado. And um, Colorado is five hours ahead of us. So when we came back, my uh, my time was all screwed up. So one Saturday morning, I woke up early and... Um, must have been like three or four o'clock in the morning, and it was on TV, and that's how I came to it. And I just immediately loved it, and surprisingly, like no one around me uh, seemed to like it. I mean, what? there was there was nobody. I was like, this Batman show is awesome, and people were like, I mean, my friends were like, um, yeah, but there's the. I think at the time the the X Men uh, animated series was on the Spider Man. Um, yeah, I know X Men was on. Premiered like around the same, like maybe a month after, a month before Batman. Like it was around the same time. Yeah, 
Yeah, there was the Ghostbusters animated series. Oh, and, come on. <laughs> yeah, people were watching that. And, and meanwhile, I was watching this Batman one, and, I mean, in retrospect, it's one of the greatest animated series ever, right? And yeah. so, even as a kid, I was like, oh, my God, this is so great. And why, why isn't anybody around me watching it? And it wasn't until... Um, you know, I, I started going on the internet that I re- that I realized that there was a ton of people that love this this animated series. And, I mean, when I was a kid, I thought I was the only one. I, I thought I was like That's crazy. <laughs> the only one that was watching it in the world. <laughs> but um, I wouldn't yeah. want to live in a world like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned the, the Spider Man and the X Men series because I again I remember them being on when I was a kid and even though I I would find like the the length and the darkness of Batman the animated series sometimes hard to follow I know I definitely preferred it to those series and so Batman was was very much kind of he was still the hero um, I wanted to follow and well what I really liked was um, was just the designs for all the characters. I don't know, because it was so hard to see all the episodes, but I would get, like, um, toy catalogs and stuff, you know, the things you have as a kid. And they would yeah. have the action figures for all the different characters, and I would, ju- and then you'd you'd buy, I, I had, like, a, I definitely had a Batman, and I had a Robin action figure that, that were from the animated series style rather than from the movie style. And then, you know, like, the, the card on the back of the packaging, it'd have all the other characters sort of thing. And I remember, I, because I'd never seen the episodes that they were in, but I really wanted to because I really liked the look of them. Um, like, I, I never saw the Two-Face episodes until I was a lot older. And I know I really wanted to see episodes with him in because he just looked awesome and he had half a blue face and, and you know. And then there was, like, um, Man Bat, which was, you know, that maybe appealed more to my sensibility as a five-year-old, that, you know, I could I could see what they'd done there. They'd just taken Batman, and what they'd done was they'd switched it around, and it was Man-Bat, and, and he was the opposite. And, you know, five-year-old me really appreciated that character. <laughs> That's funny that you say that about the designs, though, because... Yeah. Though I, they're great now, when I, like I said, when I first saw them, all I did was complain. <laughs> like a, oh, really? Like a, oh, no. A, a snotty yeah. little kid who's like not wanting to get what he expected. All he did was complain. Because I remember uh, Bruce Wayne for Batman, I, I was like, his chin's too big. Why is it too. It's not like that oh, in the comics. Yeah. And then with Joker, like, his nose is too big. Shouldn't that only be with the penguin? Why is his nose like that? Because yeah, I Two faces yeah. like his face isn't blue in the comic. It's always green. What's yeah. with <laughs> But at this point, I didn't I didn't know what a comic was essentially. You know, in in certainly in that format, one because you know it's not they're not as readily available in this country anyway. But I do remember the the first things that I owned that you could call a comic were actually it was like they'd have a it was a sort of specifically for younger kids to learn to read type thing. And it was a, it was like a magazine format of Batman the Animated Series aimed at young kids, and it's, it's it was called I Love to Read Batman, um, and the adventures in there. So, I, you know, I certainly bought into it, even though I wasn't watching as many of the episodes. It was certainly, I mean, I had I definitely uh, my first lunchbox when I started school was a um, it was like that Joker purple, um, and it had it had like a picture of Batman uh, facing the Joker, kind of grabbing his sort of collar. Sort of thing on it, and that was my first one. So, so PJ, were you the coolest kid in your well, retrospectively <laughs> looking back at it, damn right, yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't know it. 
<laughs> now they realize it 20 years later. Yeah. <laughs> or at least I did. <laughs> yeah. So, um, let's start with favorite episodes first. Um, oh, um, uh, <laughs> this could take yeah. a while. <laughs> <laughs> let's start with PJ. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. um, uh, I was... I've been I've been brushing up. I was doing homework earlier, <laughs> um, because I mean that is the thing. There is just it, it would almost be easier to name the kind of not even a handful of episodes that maybe don't hit the mark because yeah. there's just so many great episodes. And I and I kind of I was trying to find ones that aren't the kind of obvious ones because I think. You know, sort of talking about Batman and every so often, the same episodes do kind of get brought up, like Heart of Ice, um, On Leather Wings, yeah, certain like any of the Harley Quinn episodes, and I'm sure we'll we'll get into that, and and the the Two Face, but you know, all of those which really stand out. But the great thing about this series and this TV show is that even the, you know, the little throwaway episodes that have probably never really been mentioned again are still fantastic. I watched I watched one this afternoon that's called The Lion and the Unicorn. Yeah. That, you know, certainly speaks to me of my <laughs> sensibilities because it takes place in London. Uh, but it's such a fantastic episode as just, uh, you know, unadulterated Batman at his finest with, you know, it's a good plot. It's certainly, you know, it's, you know, it's not iconic enough to be put, you know, up there in the annals of Batman history, but that doesn't mean for a second that it's it's bad. You know, it's still a really good episode. Yeah. It's so a good Alfred episode too. <laughs> and I I like that's what I like the most about the series is that even the you know quote unquote lesser episodes are still so strong. Um, and another one I watch, which I I think should be maybe elevated a bit more, or probably is because it's it's a Paul Dini episode, so it's up there. Is um, I think it's called the Trial. Uh-huh. Uh, essentially, like um, they catch Batman and they catch the district attorney at the time, who's like this female who really hates Batman, um, and then they put Batman on trial, but get the district attorney to defend him when she doesn't like him, sort of thing. Um, and it's it's fantastic episode. It's kind of all those great bits about comics, such as Arkham Asylum, um, Serious House type thing, all just rolled into thirty minutes of animated amazing. What's interesting about that episode was that was originally supposed to be the plot of uh, the feature-length movies they were going to do before they did Mass of the Phantasm. Really? They were actually going to do one where all the villains team up together, like yeah. they did in Trial, but they, I guess they just decided to go with Phantasm and then pick that story up for that episode later on. Yeah, and if if we were extend, I didn't know if we were going to extend it or not to, because I I suppose it still is the same thing. But the was it the new Batman Adventures or um, yeah, that, that has like three names, like the Batman Superman Adventures, Batman Gotham Knights, yeah. and then the new Batman Adventures. So essentially, yeah, when the when the the style, the animated style changed, and you got Nightwing, and you got Tim Drake, Robin, all, all of that, because the uh, the episode's called Old Wounds, where yeah. you see Robin like. Uh, Dick Grayson Robin quit in the flashback and, and you don't you don't it's a shame you don't see how he then became Nightwing but um, that I mean that's just a fantastic episode in itself of the, of the kind of later generation yeah especially the last scene where you see Dick punch Batman right in the face yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and take his mask off yeah um, so yeah, did like far too many episodes to name. I could, I, you know, I could pull up the list and I will, I will go through each and every one of them and tell you what's good and what's not. But we do, we do have to extend the podcast by a couple of hours. <laughs> okay, um, I guess I'll go next. My favorite episode has to be 
um, for a chance to dream. Oh, amazing. Uh, but I, I didn't realize that until I was older, like I was in high school. I remember um, watching that episode um, just randomly and realizing that I watched it when I was a kid. I mean, particularly that one scene where Bruce is looking through the book and he can't read. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, you know, flipping through the book. Um, but yeah, I really like that episode. Um, you know, the whole left, left brain, right brain thing where, you know, yeah. left brain dreams while the right brain, re- or right side of the brain reads. And, you know, just the fact that Bruce was stuck in a, uh, per- his, the, the perfect world for him. Yeah. But yet he wanted to break free of that and be Batman again. Uh, yeah, I remember. Uh, I, I just, yeah. yeah. So, I just thought that was, yeah. I just thought that was really good. And, I mean, I pretty much like every Clayface episode yeah. from the original animated series. Um, Mudslide is one of my favorites. And, um, what's the other one called? Feet of um, Clay. Feet of Clay, yeah. yeah Fortunately, the, the he's two-parter. only three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the two-parter. And, uh, like, you know, in Mudslide, he dies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they kill him off, right? Well, he does come back in the new Batman Adventures. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's another fantastic episode where the, the part of Clayface manifests itself into a little girl. Yeah. And yeah. she doesn't realize that she's part of... that. I mean, that is, like, tear-jerking. <laughs> yeah, that was a favorite <laughs> one, too. Yeah. Yeah, and in Feet of Clay, um, I always like the aspect of, you know... And, I mean, in the comics, it's... it's um, what's his face? Um... Basil Carlo? Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. That's his the first, name. The first one, yeah. yeah the, one, the, the first actor. Clayface. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the actor that, you know, is, you know, getting old and he needs to keep with, you know, the times to get some more work. I like the translation into Matt Hagen where he's, um, he gets disfigured in a car crash, right? Yep. Yeah, and, you know, he, he has his cream and, I just loved all the Clayface episodes. Those are some of my favorites. But Perchance the Dream must have to be my favorite episode. So, and, so what did you like, Tim? Mad Hatter ones are good as well. Oh, yeah. Wait, so? a- any ones with Mad Hatter in? Oh, yeah. Like, Especially the Dream and, and all the rest. Yeah, Roddy McDowd is such a great performance as Mad Hatter. Like, yeah. his, his voice fits in perfectly. So many, just like every, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can say that about almost everyone, but because yeah, it's it's a shame, really, because like Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill take you deservedly take all the plaudits for you know being the voices sort of thing. Yeah. But if you look at like, is it Lauren Lester? Who's yeah, I voice? think he's really underrated as Robin. So underrated, yeah. yeah. Um, and the, which is the other thing, I, I would definitely say that Batman the Animated Series is the best portrayal of Dick Grayson in another medium that's ever been. Yep. Yeah, they aged him too. Um, yeah, but really well. Yeah, but um, speaking of voices, uh, another one is, I mean, of course, Harley Quinn and uh, Mark Hamill, but um, uh, Bullock, the guy who did Bullock. Yeah, one of the most iconic <laughs> voices in, in in that series. It's just a one of a kind voice. But um, Tim, what's your favorite episode? One. Yeah. Just get to one. Uh, if you can narrow it down to one, that'd be great. Well, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just playing. <laughs> well, actually, there's two episodes I usually go back and forth on, but it has stayed. As, I had one episode that has stayed in the number one spot now for a while. So, <laughs> and as we were talking about Lauren Lester as Robin, the episode is Robin's Reckoning Part One. I mean, okay. 
just like we were saying how perfectly they adapted Dick into the show. Because this episode wasn't the first time we saw him. We just we seen him first in uh, Christmas with the Joker with his first appearance. And he was already grown up, like, in college. I always liked that aspect of the show where Dick wasn't just a little kid. And he was older. And I like, loved his costume design. They really kind of based it off uh, Tim Drake's current costume in the comics. I just loved how it looked. But then uh, they did it perfectly, though, as we saw in Robin's Reckoning, where he was Bruce did take him in as a little kid. It wasn't like the whole Batman Forever thing where he takes in this old teenager kid who maybe could fend off from himself, but <laughs> they just worked it perfectly. And then there's that iconic scene of his parents' death, which oh how it was God. directed was just perfect because originally they sh- they wanted to show him falling and you would see him fall off, but then the censors kind of had to told him to re-edit it so you don't show that. But then they... <laughs> On the commentary, you even hear Bruce Tim say, I'm glad we got that no, because the way we did it ended up being better and gave a more dramatic effect of it. You just see the silhouettes of them, and then the rope come back, ripped off, and you just see the crowd grasp. It was great. So at the end of that episode, too, is probably one of my favorite scenes where uh, Batman comes back after trying to get Tony Zuko, but he, he escaped. He just he said that line to Al, Alfred where, like, from now on, Tony Zuko has my undivided attention. And then Alfred says, well, that's good for Zuko, but, you know, there's a little boy up there who's dying for that attention, too. And Batman's like, well, I'm doing this for him. But then Alfred's like, well, what he really needs is a friend. Like, isn't that what you needed, Bruce? <laughs> then Batman just has this look of, like, grief on his face. Like, he's like, yeah, you're right. And then we get that great scene of him consoling Dick where he tells, kind of lets Dick know the same thing happened to him as a kid losing his parents. And you just see that uh, short clip where Dick starts crying and then he just hugs Bruce and you see him embrace and saying it's going to be okay. But then it quickly shifts to Robin and the president yelling at Batman, telling him, like, why are you shutting me out on this case? Zuko's mine. And just like Dick is just fed up at him. I just love the contrast those two scenes played out where you saw how close they were, but then in the present, how they're drifting apart and where Dick really can't stand them. <laughs> so just overall, just a, well, pretty much a perfect episode. Had some great action animation in it. This the story that they did with Dick was perfect. So that one's probably going to stay as my number one. But probably my second favorite is Appointment in Crime Alley, which is an episode that really grew on me over the years. It's one of those episodes you were talking about uh, earlier, PJ, where it might be one where, as a kid, you may not enjoy it as much because there's no really big Batman yeah. villain in it. It's just kind of like a day in the life of Batman out on the streets. But getting older and then appreciating more the origin of Batman. Yeah. It's just a great episode that goes into the loss of his parents and how every year he honors their death by going to Crime Alley and just leaving those roses there. And I love how they introduced Leslie Tompkins into the series. Because I think that sometimes the character, even in the comics, like was underused, where she really is like the mother figure of Bruce, kind of how Alfred is his father figure. Yeah. And they did a good job in that episode, like conveying that. So, though those would probably be my top two favorite episodes. Yeah. I Am the so Night Tim, is you, a, it's another good one. That's kind of like Appointment in Crime Alley, in, in that it examines the, 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 the origin sort of thing. Oh, which one did you say? Um, I Am the Night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's another one. I love that scene where Bruce is just trashing the back game and just looked on yeah, the yeah, big yeah. screen. He's been sat there for like two days or yeah. something. <laughs> so, Tim, if you had to pick between... You know the two uh, the two parter Robin's reckoning uh, episodes. If you had to pick between those, you had to pick one. 
Which one would it be? The first part or the second part? Yeah, easily the first part. I mean, the second part is uh, so good, but the first part is just perfect. They had everything going for it. In the second part, I would say um, the only one of the negative things I had about it was how Batman was kind of how he was portrayed at the end, where he gets he's in the on the in the ceiling of like Tony Zuko's hideout, and they shoot the ceiling, and he falls through. He's pretty much has to limp through the rest of the episode, and <laughs> you're just seeing him trying to escape and make a brace for himself. <laughs> he really was out of condition for most of it. But the ending sequence with Robin actually confronting Zuko was great. Seeing him dragging him on the floor as a, on the motorcycle. <laughs> so yeah, well the second episode, second part's good, not as good as the first one, I think. So um, this wouldn't be a re- kind of review of the animated series if we did not talk about Heart of Ice. So um, Tim, oh no no wait, PJ. Hello. What was your first impression of Heart of Ice when you when you saw it, and then in retrospect when you look back on it? Because everybody um, did that. Yeah, um, I, I mean, again, this is one of the episodes that I only came to later on, so it's not one that I kind of have... So this is the thing, I, I came to Heart of Ice after seeing Batman and Robin. So, <laughs> <laughs> so which is, is a weird, definitely a weird way to do it, because obviously, even though in, in the much camp heightened Joel Schumacher way, they did, you know, they kind of did take the same story out of there, of the whole... So, uh, did you think at first the animated series was basing it off the movie, where the movie yeah, had that plot I first? I, st- I still had the, the working knowledge that it had come it had come first, so okay. it was more like a revelation of, like, oh my god, the movie just totally stole the story, <laughs> <laughs> um, type thing. Because, yeah, because I was watching it knowing that it, had, it was pre-Batman and Robin. It was just in my life I saw Batman and Robin before I saw this particular episode. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's fantastic because it, the whole, I think, thing about the whole series was that reinventing villains in, in certain, you know, yeah, like, as we were saying, the kind of, the combination of the Clayface characteristics that were put into the Matt Hagen version. Um, I know for me more personally, I think the interpretation of Two-Face is, is way up there in terms of, you know, just how they kind of retweaked that a little bit. Um, so yeah, you know, Mr. Freeze is, is brilliant. Uh, you know, the design's brilliant. It, it, the voice for me is the yeah. <laughs> best part of that characterization. Um, and and it will. The, the, this is this is where it will sound interesting because it's not my favorite episode. It's I mean, it's very good, but I also the ending always annoys me a little bit in that he gets beaten by the chicken soup. <laughs> I guess if you have one knock on that episode, that would probably yeah. be it. I would, is, I would is that, so, <laughs> I think, so therefore, it's more, I think the episode gets such a high rating just because of the idea that's within it. I mean, which is about that it's, you know, Mr. Freeze um, kind of trying to get back at the corporation because of his wife and the accident. But you get all of that information very quickly sort of thing. Uh, although I know, having said that, I really the bit where he accidentally freezes one of his henchmen and then just leaves him there to essentially what would probably be to die, and so Batman has to kind of take him back to the Batcave and put him in a back to tank uh, Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> um, and kind of thaw him out. Um, and that, I mean, that's a really cool moment. It, so it is, it is a good episode. It's just not my it's just not my favorite. So. It, it's interesting when people, because yeah, people talk about this episode probably more than any other episode. Um, 
which I can I can understand, but then I'd I'd almost rather talk about different episodes. Is is where I sit with it. I mean, I'm not saying it's it's bad. I just prefer other episodes. Okay, so I came to this series. I mean, I, I came to this episode. Um, it's a little uh, progression in my story. My, my dad works at nights, so he would come in come in in the morning, or he would come home in the morning, and tape episodes for me on VHS tapes. And so, um, I guess one particular morning, because I only caught it on reruns, uh, they played Heart of Ice, and my dad taped it for me, and my dad watched it. And I must have woke up like an hour or two later, and he had watched it like three times in that time period. Oh, nice. He was like, oh my god, this episode is so good. I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't even... I mean, I thought this was... I thought this was just a kid show, and... Um, and at that moment, I didn't get the significance of it. I mean, I, I just thought it was cool to see, you know, Mr. Freeze with his um, with his gun and stuff, and you know, of course, Batman. And um, yeah, that's how I came to the episode. And you know, in retrospect, I mean, it, it, it's one not only one of the best animated series episodes. I mean, Batman animated series episodes, but one of the greatest uh, cartoon episodes, I guess you could call it, ever ever made. So, um, yeah, that's how I came to it. What about you, Tim? Yeah, mine was kind of similar to, to your story, Dane, where I remember it was, uh, like I said earlier, it was the first episode to premiere in its normal weekday time slot. I just remember during school that day, it was the first day back to school also. <laughs> I was like just waiting and waiting to go home and see Batman the Animated Series again. And then kind of like with you and your uh, dad, it was like, I had that experience kind of with my mom when she watched it, where she was just like so shocked that it was like the emotional story that Mr. Freeze had that wasn't inspecting it. Like, till this day, like, that's her favorite Batman character yeah. <laughs> of all. It's like Mr. Freeze. And but, it kind of defined the character, yeah. too. I mean, yeah. before that, he was just a guy from the uh, the, the Adam West show. Yeah, that, right? Yeah, because yeah, when I saw the episode for the first time, I go, oh, it's cool, Mr. Freeze, I know who he is, but at the same time, it was a totally new experience seeing that for the first time. And then, like you said earlier, PJ, just uh, Michael and Sarah, who does his voice, is just yeah. awesome. It's cold and robotic, and this. But at the same time, like, even though he says he's dead to emotion, you can feel the emotion in his voice when he says certain things. Especially at the end, where he's uh, in Arkham, crying. We see him crying, looking at the snow globe of the ballerina, which he yeah. keeps as his wife. I mean, the um, the music as well is something which we could probably talk about on a greater aspect of the entire show, but yeah. The, the, for Mr. Freeze is, is one of the better themes as well, that is sort of the motifs that's used. Yeah, definitely. That's a, uh, that that uh, episode's score made it onto the second volume of the soundtrack that was just released. I was like, what's the uh, right. to? <laughs> yeah. Like you said, yeah, it's really good. But yeah, but everything you're saying about that episode, it's just interesting hearing what you were saying about it then. That, to me, is Two-Face Part 1. My kind of, mm-hmm. you know, my appreciation for the animated series is more than just a kid's show and even, you know, other people that, that you know, I've forced to watch it with me sort of thing. <laughs> I will always go for Two-Face Part 1 over the kind of Mr. Freeze because I, I think that is just like the psychological as- aspects that are at play in that episode is just so much greater than any kid could ever... Well, like, a, a kid probably could understand it, but wouldn't even realise just what, what they're understanding. Yeah. The 
the scene in that episode where Harvey Dent goes to the psychiatrist um, and she kind of hypnotizes him in a weird way to get to face the, the big bad Harv persona to come out. Yeah, that was a creepy then, moment. <laughs> yeah, and you get the flash of, you get the flash of lightning and in the flash of lightning you see two face before he's even had his face scarred. I think that is for me, that does all those things that obviously Heart of Ice, you know, definitely does for other people, is that episode just absolutely still to this day blows my mind um as a piece of twenty minute animation type thing. Um I think yeah. what helps or I think why many people remember Heart of Ice more Maybe because it was the first episode to air, or was the third episode to air officially, and maybe since yeah. that was everyone's first exposure to that kind of storytelling that the series would be known for, is why yeah. everyone remembers Heart yeah. of Ice more, I would think. Whereas, yeah, because I, I came to it later, so all these episodes were out, and then I kind of, because, um, ooh, I'm going to have to check, but I think if you, the DVDs that I've got in the list, which obviously wasn't the, the list that they were aired, does Two Face happen before Heart of Ice? It does. It does. Yeah. So yeah, Two Face Part One is Episode Eleven. So yeah, that was watching it in order when I finally had the DVDs. Is yeah, you're quite right, Tim. That's probably because I, I came to I, I was late to the game. <laughs> I had some growing up to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still to this day. I know you guys won't agree with me, but that's still the, my preferred origin of Mister Freeze, despite Scott Snyder's change in the Batman Annual Number One. <laughs> I don't. I don't not agree with you. I just. I just think what they did opens up the character that we can, you know, because that, as as you were saying, Dane, that really has defined the character for what almost twenty years now. In the, you know, people have only really ever been able to retell Heart of Ice whenever they've used that character since. Right. In all the different medium, they kind of have to go through the motions. So, Nora. The, the frozen body of Nora has, you know, disappeared and been shattered and been thawed and been so many things. Thorn is in Lazarus pit. <laughs> yeah, and then they just and then they just keep suddenly, you know, she's frozen again the next time you pop <laughs> in the series sort of thing. Well, 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 she came back, right? She um, in the end, she a villainess. I remember in the comics, like the last thing I remember reading of her was that she was thrown to the Lazarus pit. Yeah, she was a villain, mm. but. Really? In, the animated series, they wrapped up her story and Mr. Freeze nicely, I think. Because altogether, Mr. Freeze appeared in, I would say, four episodes in one movie. And you, you saw yeah. a progression in each of those stories where in Heart of Ice, he was locked in Arkham. And then in the second episode, he appeared in Deep Freeze, where that guy tries to build this amusement park. Yeah. Or like this, not amusement park, but like this safe haven for like the next generation yeah. of humans, something like that. He gives Freeze uh, Nora, he had her. Then at the end, that whole place gets sunk into the ocean, and then Freeze is reunited with his wife in like in an iceberg that you see in Sub Zero. And at the end of Sub Zero, we find out that she does get cured by, through that transplant she needed from Barbara. But then in the new Batman Adventures, we find out Freeze never went to go visit her, and so she couldn't wait for him anymore. So she remarried, and that like just took him over the deep end, where just all he lived for was getting revenge against everyone else who had something precious, and then he was it was his mission to have him lose it. So I thought for the animated series, they wrapped up that whole story nicely. And then, yeah. of course, we get I, Batman Beyond where he comes back then, which is another great episode. I do have one problem with it, because, again, my, home, my homework for this podcast is paying off here. And then very recently, I just watched <laughs> all the Mr. Freeze episodes just because uh-huh. I was kind of 
feeling in the mood. <laughs> um, and it's that la- that last episode, um, which is the the new Batman Adventures, which comes after you know all the other episodes and the movie, which is um, which focuses on it. That episode is kind of it, it taints it a little bit for me. Not because he never went and visited her, and you sort of you never see the unfrozen Nora, mm. which we do. I mean, that annoyed me a little bit. But the um, it's almost like they didn't read up on what they'd done before, because in that episode you're talking about with the amusement park, they talk about the fact that Mister Freeze's condition is pretty much making him immortal, and he's going to be he's going to be alive forever. Yeah. Uh, which is so the guy who's creating the amusement park wants the same thing to happen to him because he he wants to live forever and that's you know that was a really cool thing that was set up and and yeah the the kind of the Nora arc is done in the earlier kind of series and then sort of finishes with the movie but when he comes back in the new series um he's suddenly just a head he's a walking head um and they say that it's because his condition is now killing him and that just it it's for me it's too much of a flip that what you know in one episode you sort of pretty much stated that the guy's immortal and then you've flipped that, you know, completely the other way around, and now it's killing him. Um, I guess, so I guess he just misread his diagnosis originally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, did you see the Batman Beyond episode with Mr. Freeze in it, PJ? No, again, I'm still Batman Beyond Virgin. I've not, I've not got there yet. Yeah, so definitely check out that one, because okay. that's pretty much, like, puts the wrap on the whole animated Mr. Freeze story. <laughs> So it's it's the same Mr. Freeze, it's not like a future version. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely check that one out. I really it's called a Meltdown. Okay. Cool, so um, Heart of Ice, definitely one of the, the best episodes of the animated series, of course. I'd probably obviously. say it's in my top five. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. Um, I, and I'm the, uh, yeah, I feel bad for the exception to the rule. But. Would you at least say top ten for you, DJ? Well, yeah, probably top okay. ten. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make the list for the next, next podcast, and I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> Makes the cut. <laughs> it's too bad it was kind of ruined with the whole Batman and Robin Schwarzenegger thing. But um, did you want to talk about the voices yeah. at all? I mean, Kevin Conrad, of course, the voice of Batman every time I read a comic. Yep. As I'm sure you know, a lot of people feel the same way. Um, so, I mean, what do you guys think about the voices? <laughs> this, this is what you said right there, Dave. I mean, despite my how I felt as a little kid for the first time seeing it, foolishly not liking it <laughs> in Cat and the Claw, but yeah. Why is his voice so deep and perfect? <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> Why does he sound like Michael Keaton? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like you said, Every time I read a comic, no matter the design, how Batman is in any comic or any animated series, any type of design Batman has, I think Kevin Conroy's voice fits it perfectly. Like I don't. Sometimes I hear people say, like whenever they announce the new DC animated movie, they say, "Well, that's not Kevin Conroy. I don't think his voice would fit that particular design." I I, I never agree with that. His voice is just—it is Batman. It fits design no matter what. I just like how his voice also progressed too as the series went on. At first, it wasn't as, like, gravelly. It was more of a deep tone. but And then he also separated it from his Bruce Wayne voice, which I thought was great. There's that great moment in On Leather Wings where he's talking to Alfred in the Batcave. And then he gets a call from the doctor, and you just see him 
switch his voice like that in the Batman costume. <laughs> as is that in the, is that in the first episode? Yeah. Because I yeah I always remember that bit as the, it's the perfect example of him doing the two, and I didn't realize it was that early on that he did it. Yeah. Then they went away from that as by the time we got to the uh, new Batman Adventures, it's pretty much his Batman voice was his Bruce Wayne voice with yeah. very little difference. But I actually, for the new Batman Adventures, that's probably my favorite performance out of Kevin Conroy throughout the whole series. Just the way he voiced Batman in that sh- a group of episodes. It was just, he kind of like became the Batman who was just obsessed with nothing about being Batman, even as Bruce Wayne. Like, he didn't care anything about like a normal social life or anything, just by the way he treated even, as you see, like Dick, Barbara, and Tim. Yeah. Especially, like you said, PJ and Old Wounds, where he gives Dick a hard time about. Even when he was graduating college, he didn't even care about that. He was just focused on his mission as Batman. I just love that attitude he displayed in that in the new Batman adventure that Kevin Conway did it perfectly. And another fantastic coup for the series is that it was able to do that. It didn't just keep its characterization of Batman to the same as what it started with. There was a you know, there was a change as it went on. Yeah. It's almost got the feeling like he's tired of every, of all this like stuff he's going through, like yeah. Batman's like these villains like you gave him a chance maybe to reform but now he doesn't carry like about their like excuses or sympathy for them as being villains he's just there to take him down which I love and even the design kind of reflects yep. as it, it gets so much kind of simplified just darker kind of yeah he's like uh, I was like I'm done being the nice guy here like you guys yeah. had your chance yeah he you know, really goes from hero to badass yeah <laughs> and then Mark Hamill I mean what else can you say about his performance of the Joker? Still, to this day, I don't think anyone's ever going to top his performance, especially the laugh. I mean, you may yeah. hear some good Joker performances, but not as good as Mark Hamill, but the laugh never even comes close to his, no matter who's playing it. And and even the, the hot and cold, kind of like what we were talking about with Kevin Conroy, but the, the way Mark Hamill could play the kind of camp over the top, having fun Joker, and then the absolute murdering psychopath yeah. Joker... In, you know, and he could turn it in a sentence type thing, um, was, was brilliant. And, um, my, my little Batman the Animated Series fun fact that I came across when I was watching some episodes today is that the Joker in Batman the Animated Series is called Jack Napier. Yeah, which kind of bugged yeah. me a little bit. They, they kind but, of went away yeah. from that, because in the episode, uh, Dreams in Darkness, where Batman's in yeah. Arkham, he does mention him as Jack Napier. But then in the new Batman Adventures episode, Beware the Creeper, they're having like the special news report about the Joker. They say his uh, his name is unknown, but he does go by various aliases. Oh, really? So they kind of I think that bothered yeah. the producers too, so they kind of wanted to fix that. Because yeah. again, that that was probably another reason why, in my kind of blissful ignorance as a you know toddler, <laughs> um, I used to just think of it as a kind of continuation of the. Tim Burton film, yeah. which is weird because he died in the Tim Burton film. But I, was, <laughs> I was a kid. I was willing to let that slide. <laughs> yeah, I remember being shocked when I found out that Mark Hamill did the voice as a Joker. Oh, yeah. The way yeah. I found out was that my local news station, they were doing like a little special on Batman the Animated Series where they're on the production crew. They were showing the voice actors and they showed Mark Hamill. I go, oh, I wonder who he plays. Probably plays someone like the Riddler or somebody. And then they showed the Joker. I was like, what? Luke Skywalker is the Joker. Wow, how cool is that? <laughs> so, so for you, Tim, uh, being a huge Star Wars fan, of course, and being a huge Batman fan, um, which role is more iconic for for Hamill? <laughs> yeah, they're. I mean, 
I wanted to say Star Wars because it was more iconic. It's on a more wider scale, but his performance as a Joker is just so different and something so different for him as an actor, and he does such a great job at it that I think it's almost just as iconic. I, I think to myself sometimes, like, if I ever have a conversation with Mark Hamill, what would I talk to him more about, Star Wars or Batman and the Joker? <laughs> and part of me kind of wants to talk more about the Joker because I think it would be more fun for him because he, he loves the role a lot. It's just hearing him talk about his experiences doing the Joker, he tells some great stories. So <laughs> it's like I'm always torn between which one do I view him as, like, more Luke Skywalker or the Joker because they're both such iconic performances by him. So, so for you, it's Joker. <laughs> it's <not> the, <laughs> I, I like can't even say it to you too. Because <laughs> Luke is like one of my favorite characters in the Star Wars universe. So, like, <laughs> do I pick Joker over one of my favorite characters? There, <laughs> it's too hard. <laughs> it's an impossibility for yes. you. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> So, um, yeah, we, we kind of touched on this earlier, but um, the music has to be pretty iconic, too, for for an uh, animated series show. Yeah, because before this, what kids' show had a full like orchestral score for every episode that was different, where they didn't recycle too much, except maybe a few of the character themes? And yeah. That was groundbreaking in itself with the series, but each character had great themes, too. I mean, probably my all-time favorite character theme, probably besides Batman, would be Clayface's. It's such a, a tragic, like, sounding theme that fits the character perfectly. I'm right. going to sound one trick pony if I say that the two bass theme, which is <laughs> it's like on the on like a hollow flute type. Yeah, thing. that's good too. It's so haunting, but yeah, awesome. But then, as far as like uh, actual episode scores go, probably my favorite uh, musical score for an episode is Appointment in Crime Alley. There's this great theme that plays as, like, you see Batman driving in the streets of Gotham. This kind of like this, I don't know how to describe it, maybe like more like an adventurous type sounding theme where it's not, where it's like Batman's on a mission and you're just, this theme fits that perfectly where you see him going to the streets of Gotham. And then also has very like good emotional scores in that episode too where you see him looking at uh, these like old newspaper clippings in Leslie's apartment that shows the night of his parents' murder. The music in that scene fits perfectly to what you've seen visually. This, this works together perfectly in that episode. So, probably my favorite overall score would be Appointment in Crime Alley. I was going to say, in terms of score, um, I'd have to look at Mask of the Phantasm because they got to, they really got to yeah. dial up for that. Because and like, because they took the opening theme, um, and they did it with like a choir. So it was like this choral chant version of the of the animated series theme, which is just like yeah. epic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and even and then I think it's it's whatever it may be that or it may be a different theme that's specifically from the movie. But whatever music is playing at the point where the whole theme park blows up and you get Mark Hamill's Joker just laughing at it. And then they disappear in the smoke of the phantasm. The the score on that is like Oscar worthy, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Another thing about the score too, which um, the first few episodes is they started off for like Batman's main theme, where it was taken directly from the actual movies. It's a classic Danny Elfman theme. Yeah, I remember they didn't use it too much, but whenever they did, you did hear it in certain parts of the episode. It always got me like excited to hear it. Like yeah, how yeah. cool they use in the movie theme. They didn't use it too much, but whenever they did play it, it was like a 
a cool and, moment in the yeah, episode. And seeing that they created it is it's really clever because it's like um, you'll know this, Tim, actually, because I know you have the first volume of the the animated series. It's that last track where Shirley Walker explains yeah. how the theme for the animated series is almost like an answer to the theme from the movie. So, like, the movie kind of builds up and then the animated series almost sort of brings it back down. Um, and the, the, so the way that those two bits of music just relate to each other is so perfect. Yeah, it's good to see that Shirley Walker actually, I think, worked with Danny Elfman. Yeah. The Batman scores, too, so it was, like, a good continuation from the movies to the animated series. Which, again, you know, is another reason why five-year-old me thought it was the world. <laughs> I'm not making, ex- I'm making excuses for my <laughs> um, small-minded infant self. <laughs> um, but, on, on, like, well, I'm going to use the theme as a segue to something I think we definitely have to talk about when talking about the animated series, because it is the be- it's possibly one of the best things about every single episode the 60-second introduction. Yep. Um, which, for me, it, like even as a five-year-old, I at least appreciated that. Probably because it was over in 60 seconds. <laughs> you know, a lot of Batman just, just... It is possibly, if you could distill Batman into 60 seconds to show someone what that character is about, I don't think you should look any further than, than the opening to that um, show. Yeah, yeah, especially that last part of of that little intro where Batman is in that iconic pose and the lightning flashes for like yeah. a second and he's lit up. Beautiful. He didn't even need to put the words Batman anywhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another thing that just came to my head right now thinking about it uh, that I want to ask you guys, how about the title cards? I think that was always one of the cool things about the series yeah. too, the different title cards that they have on there. Did you, any of you guys have like a particular favorite one? Ooh. I know I'm I'm sad enough to have taken a screenshot of all of them, so when they appear on my iTunes, they appear as the title card. <laughs> oh, there's nothing <laughs> sad about that. <laughs> um, so, oh, so many, so many to pick from. Um, I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really predictable. <laughs> the uh, the Two Face one was my avatar for so long because it's just such a great. It's like a really stylized geometric shape of a figure that. Half is in shadow and half's in light, and the light side is flip, uh, flipping the coin. Um, so yeah, to be really predictable, <laughs> I'll go with the two face. <laughs> so, so PJ, who who's your favorite villain from the animated series? <laughs> it was definitely Red Claw. <laughs> we not have known. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I went. Uh, I think uh, when at the time I really started watching the animated series properly, Two Face was just my favorite Batman villain, kind of going. I think I just read Long Halloween as well, so I was really, really up on Two Face. Um, and so, yeah, probably you know second to a lot of the other great ones, but uh, yeah, I, I, it is. It's my favorite interpretation of Two Face, if I'm honest. Big surprise. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm just trying to think. Um, think back on these title cards for the episodes. Um, the only one that really sticks out to me is the Robin's Reckoning one. Okay. For me, it'd probably be, it's probably one of the more simpler ones, but for the very first episode on Leather Wings, I just love that image of, you see the bat wings in, uh, in front of a great background. I just love the little music piece that goes with that, too. I think it, just the music piece and then how the image looks, that one always stuck out to me. So that's probably be my favorite. Yeah, because those really weren't in any cartoon show but no. back in the 90s, right? I mean, that, that was from, like, Tom and Jerry, right? 
Yeah. Like the forties. Yeah. Usually, like when old shows would do that, like Ninja Turtles, they would have one like title card that that would use for every episode with the name of the episode on it. That's about it. Yeah, but but each episode was, I mean, it had a different different title card. Yeah. Right. There's yeah. maybe only three episodes out of the whole series that didn't have a title card, but it was actually just an actual scene from the beginning of the episode. Which oh, was Heart of Ice, where you see the snow falling down, then you see it transition into the globe. And then the laughing fish, where you see that billboard of the fish and the rain falling. And I then, love that you just know all this. Because <laughs> I, I am now looking at the folder I've got of all the images of these title cards, and uh-huh. you are so spot on with everything you're saying. <laughs> And then the only other one was uh, the Demon's Quest with Rachel Gould, where it has like the shot of uh, the Batcave, and then you see it. Uh, well, that was part two, I think. Oh, see, that one I'm kind of blanking. <laughs> I know there was a shot from the episode. I can't remember what exactly that shot was, but those are the three episodes. All the all the Clayface title cards are amazing with the like the drama masks. Yeah. And then like Clayface is the shadow of the drama mask. That's uh, that's mudslide, and that's really cool. Yeah, the, you can tell. I'm um, looking at them right now, rather than just <laughs> why you have it open. The the cat and the claw one is just the the claw the, the scratch, right? The yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's like a cat face behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's not a good one. And I missed it. That, or a little disappointed that they didn't use it for the new Batman Adventures. Yeah, because it's such that's a trademark for yeah. the series. There, there was a there was a jump, wasn't there? That it was it, it certainly became a lot more modern. When yeah. They, uh, um, and I think these, especially even you know the fact that you guys are saying it's you know a trait of cartoons from the forties. And that was, that is still one of the things I love about it is just how um, you hear in the commentaries they say that they were trying to make it like the old movie serials. Yeah, like the old and, Superman and it, cartoons yeah. too. And it just it just is so much like that um, in that you could imagine you know watching it in that era of time it just fits so perfectly into it. Okay, so um, closing thoughts. I mean, anything you guys want to talk about or say? Yeah, just just to close that. Uh, to this day, I think if it lasted like this for 20 years I think it's safe for me to say that this will always be my favorite interpretation of Batman they just nailed everything perfectly the tone of the character the origin of the character his motivations as Batman I mean as great as the Nolan trilogy was I always the one thing that always bugged me was just how what his motivation for Batman was it wasn't the murder of his parents was what drove him as Batman so but the animated series did that perfectly so that's why it kind of has a Edge over that, and just all the villains and characterizations they did were just pretty much perfect. Maybe with the exception of a few, but <laughs> yeah, so this will always be my favorite interpretation of Batman in the Batman universe. I, I, don't, I really don't know how I can add anything to that, really, <laughs> other than I, it just it almost like doing a, like a crazy, it's crazy that it's been 20 years. Um, yep. uh, and it's almost sad to think that it isn't, you know, they aren't still making this show. That it is, it's done, it's finished, because, you know... I but it's I, also a good thing, too. Uh, yeah, because I suppose it, it could yeah, only eventually, yeah. And just, it it was only a limited point. run. Yeah, I mean, but it, another great thing about it was how it's, like, spawned off this whole 
its own universe, the DC animated universe from Superman, Justice League, and Batman Beyond, and how they all yeah. tie in together real nicely is another, I think, a great accomplishment of the series. And I just, I, I can't wait to show it to the next generation. I think it will be, I really hope it's the thing that I get to bond with my kids over and just be like, let's let's watch Batman and have it, you know. And it's great because now I have every episode, which I, you know, I didn't have access to when I was a kid. <laughs> so if, you know, once I've forced Batman onto my offspring, um, they can they can watch as many of the episodes as they want. Hopefully they don't get into the Batman more instead of Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> you leave the Batman alone. I have time for the Batman, but um, I think because I, this is the thing, I, I love Batman in most of its animated form. I even you know I love Batman the Brave and the, the Brave and the Bold for what it is. But I will always come back to this series and just the the feeling you get just from watching it is just yeah, watching complete perfection. Um. The only thing I can really say is that, you know, Bruce Tim and Paul Dini and everybody behind that show really made and created their own version of Batman and all of his villains and, you know, all of his allies. And, um, they kind of created their own universe. And it, 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 it's, it's pretty much a perfect universe. And that's all I can say about it. Um... You're here. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, or is that it? Well, that's a nice way, I would think, to wrap up our celebration of 20 years of that animated series. And we'll be back with the 50th anniversary episode. <laughs> it's open. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm hoping by then we'll get a Blu-ray release of the series, or whatever... Uh, medium <laughs> we're using at that time. Which, which means I'll have to wait 70 years. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the DVDs to finally come out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, just saying that, you know, 20 years, it it almost doesn't even feel that long. Sure it almost feels like I just watched it. But, um, yeah, so I... I guess we can move on to some news after that hour-long conversation about animated series. Um, where should we start? I know. David Finch is leaving uh, The Dark Knight for Justice League. I mean, I don't see why, because the the, the Dark Knight is finally good. I know. And he's leaving the book for <laughs> for, for uh, Justice League of America. I know, because like, um, like you said, the book is finally good, and then... David Finch's art, which has always, for the most part, been good, even though the writing's been bad. So you finally have good art and a good story going with it, but now you're going to lose the good art. I don't know. It it just seems... Just keep Finch on that book. I mean, he he's done nothing good for that book, <laughs> except for the art. Um, so, I mean, just keep him on that book. I mean, who can replace uh, Finch on that book? I haven't even announced anything yet. Huh? No, yeah, they, no, they haven't. I wouldn't be surprised if it was if it was the end of that book. To be honest, it's it's the one of the bat titles that kind of. If it went, would anyone really miss it? Um, but yeah, now right I right now I would yeah. Well, well, uh, now, um, <laughs> I think, I think it sounds me. really good though. So I don't know if they're going to be canceling it because I'm pretty sure it's put up good numbers. Because isn't he? He's only going to Justice League. It's next year, isn't it? For the, the whenever game. that series launches, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, that, that is my big question that has been confusing me for weeks. 
Justice League of America, that, that is a different series to the Justice League I'm reading now. Am I right? Um, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So it's not, and it's not replacing the Justice League I'm reading now, is it? Oh, yeah. Thankfully not, because I would have been a little no, upset. Right. <laughs> okay, so is it, okay, because I, yeah, I was, every, every time I, because it was like the advert was at the back of Justice League, and, you know, it's only, two words different in terms of the title, and I really, I was like, well, isn't that what I'm reading now, or I'm not sure? Right, so if they're, if they're separate, then yeah, you know, by the time that series actually launches, maybe um, Greg uh, Hurwitz uh, will have finished his Scarecrow arc, and, and maybe that'll just be it. Um, I think he'll, he's going to move up, probably, to one of the bigger bat titles anyway, as kind of time goes on. I think. Um, well, it's, well, it's it's funny because I almost think with Hurwitz on that on the Dark Knight, it's pretty much kind of you know uh, Snyder's Batman, uh, Detective Comics, and now it's the Dark Knight are the three main bat books that I look out for. Right now, I'd probably say. Batman, Dark Knight, and Batman and Robin over the detective. I mean, we'll see how detective goes with the new oh, yeah. uh, I mean, creative team on it. But I was just talking about title. Like, I mean, Detective Comics is iconic, and oh, okay, of course you're going to pick that up. Oh, I mean, of course it's been crap for the past year. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- those are the, the top three. But, um, PJ, what were you saying? Sorry. Yeah, so that's, I, I sort of agree, but I also think that We'll see how the new detective team work out. I'm not because I don't want to judge that at this point because I haven't read any of the stuff that that guy's done. And um, but it, I, it just wouldn't. I think there are bigger things to come for Hurwitz. So I think he will probably. It wouldn't surprise me to see him leave the title as well and possibly be booted up to detective at some point. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they'll just wait to see how this new creative or, team does with detective. Yeah. Oh man, like, 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 what if it sucks? I mean, what if it's t- like worse than Tony Daniels? Uh, then, then <laughs> what? The, yeah, Greg Hurwitz will be my answer because he's <laughs> I mean, he's doing all these zero issues, isn't he? Yeah, and so, I'll get into it later, but the so zero was pretty good. Yeah, they've definitely put you know some sort of trust slash faith in in what he can do now. Um, I think he's proved that. So, uh, yeah, I think he's, at this point, I, for him, I wouldn't worry about that particular title and the fate of it, because... Yeah, I mean, so, so far it's, I mean, just like Scott Snyder, you know, Death Taxes and Scott Snyder, um, it's kind of been, you know, Death Taxes and um, Greg Hurwitz, because, I mean, we can almost count on him always to yeah. give us a good issue. Definitely. Yeah. Speaking of... Uh just real quick, the Justice League of America. Do you guys have any thoughts on what the the lineup for this team is going to be? I'm kind of surprised at some of the choices they made, like uh, Catwoman yeah. being on there and Steve Trevor. And, um, uh, Katana. Yeah. And the new Green Lantern's on there, too. Let's... Yeah, what about, um, what's his name, Green Arrow? No. Yeah, he's on there, too, but really <laughs> after this. After the first issue of the New 52, I haven't read a single issue of Green Arrow. <laughs> I really didn't like that book. <laughs> The, but him him being there and also Mark and Manhunter being there, they're the two I'm interested about the most because they the, they seem to have, you know, there's almost 
there's a reason there that has already been kind of set up because we've had that tease as to what happened between Martian Manhunter and the Justice League. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Green Arrow was in that issue trying to join the Justice League. So him joining a different Justice League, I mean, you know, that completely makes sense to me. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they play into it. But yeah, some of the other choices were really kind of, I guess we can only wait and see just how it factors in. Because again, the, the name in itself is confusing enough for Brit like me. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, I don't see how Catwoman could be part of this team. That's what I'm curious about. Yeah. When has she ever been part of a group like the Justice League? Yeah. And I well, think she's she, an anti-hero, right? Yeah, but she's not one. I mean, if they're the Justice League of America, you kind of get the impression that they might be yeah. an official group of the United States government. Because I believe Especially they're getting rid Steve of... Trevor. Yeah. Part of it. I believe Justice League International's now, so I think this is what's going to replace it. Do you guys think that um, DC could bring back Wally West with this JLA. I mean, they could, but unless they're yeah. keeping it a real good secret, I mean, there's been no mention of Wally West. <laughs> Maybe Wally West and Stephanie Brown will be part of it later on. Oh, oh I, if, Steph, if Steph was in this um, in this book, I would pick it up with no no problem. <laughs> oh, Wally um, West. <laughs> <laughs> no one's no one's sending anyone waffles for Wally. Uh, um, where should we go next Tim well there is that rumor which I don't believe is true yeah uh, I don't think it'll happen Dark Knight Rises director's cut blu-ray release (laughs) when I read that I was like yeah it sounds cool but you know it's not gonna happen (laughs) I'm surprised because I think it was IGN was at the main site where I first saw it I'm surprised like a main site like that would post something that's a rumor more than likely not going to happen, which kind of got my hopes up a little. Well, maybe if they're posting it and they have a reliable source, they say it could be true, but I'd still be very shocked if we get a director's cut. Yeah. It would be awesome, though. Yeah, it would. It would be fat three hours long. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts, PJ? I think it's just a shame, just because whether she was meant to or not, the fact that the costume designer really kind of let the cat out of the bag that there was that earlier footage of Bane and his origin and there was you know there was more to that it it just that's such a shame because knowing about that and then never getting to see it is heartbreaking yeah like with the with the previous Chris Nolan films it's very been a kind of don't ask not gonna tell kind of situation is you know you can only assume that there probably was more footage but you've ne- there's never been any indication of what that was you know we didn't suddenly hear about the fact that there was a Joker scene where, uh, I don't know, maybe you do see how how he gets his scars, or, you know, there, there was never any of that was kind of released, so you didn't, there was nothing to get excited about, because you didn't really know what what extra there would be, so when no extra scenes turned up, you were just kind of like, okay, fine, I don't really know what yeah. I'm missing. But with this one, we, we know <laughs> what the extra stuff would be, and it sounds awesome, so let us see it. <laughs> I know, at least not even a director's cut, but on a just a deleted scene special feature yeah, section. Yeah, exactly. Not even finished. Just something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if they were doing an extended cut, because um, you think in that article it says it should be make the movie like thirty five minutes longer. I was yeah. kind of hoping where it wouldn't just be that one scene, but we maybe get like an extended version of the final sequence. Because when you and me were talking about it on another podcast, PJ, where. Notice there is some stuff cut from the trailer in the final battle sequence. 
yeah, Gotham. Yeah. That would be cool to see back into the movie. But I, I know it's just wishful thinking. <laughs> the other thing that will make me so. yeah, the thing that would make I I agree with everyone that I really don't think this is gonna happen. But I think the thing that would make me the most happy if it did happen is because the guy on BatmanOnFilm.com said it isn't going to happen. And for him to be wrong is a, is a personal thing that would make me so very, very happy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, a, that's, a, that's another story for a different time. <laughs> if, they, if they release it and he's wrong, I'll, I'll tell. <laughs> uh, I don't think I saw this too, but there's another... Like, nothing's officially been announced for the Blu-ray release or anything, but there's, like, this image of what people are saying might be, like, a special collector's edition package of that, uh, of the broken cow, kind of of that shot that we saw in the poster, like, kind of like a statue of that that you would get in the box set of it. Oh, cool. So that would be awesome. That would be really cool. And I think that's probably more likely, because they, they did a mask package version for The Dark Knight, didn't they? I don't think so. Um, Oh well, they, they maybe yeah, they did. They did? Yeah, they did. With the, um, <laughs> it, I think it was a Best Buy exclusive. Yeah, one was the um, the Batman call, and the other one was uh, the the Joker mask. Um, oh, yeah, that's the, right. That's right. Yeah, and they had the a beginning. Batman one as well. I was trying to think. Oh, they that. did. Yeah. Well, again, maybe maybe just over over here, where you know. Uh-huh. For once, we're getting something that you guys didn't get. Um, but you could get it. You could get well, a version of a little model bat pod as well. Okay, so I guess the only other Batman news is uh, Michael Emerson has been cast as the Joker in in uh, The Dark Knight Returns Part 2. But it's weird because we won't really get to see him until the second part, which comes out next year. Yeah, I'm sure we'll maybe get a like segment of his voice in the... Like, up, you know, all the movies, they have a special feature of the upcoming release. So yeah. uh, for this one, they'll have, like, an interview or, like, a voice clip or something. Just we get an idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it says the special features will con- showcase the voice talent. But so. um, have you guys seen Michael Emerson and everything? Because I haven't. <laughs> I don't know where he's I haven't from. seen him in anything ever. <laughs> it, it, based on the picture, I think he's the guy that I've seen in the very few episodes of Lost that I actually did watch. Um, and he he seemed creepy enough, you know. He he certainly sticks out in my mind as oh yeah, that that dude was creepy, and he's creepy looking as well. So you know, sticks <laughs> two of the boxes. <laughs> get, as to what makes from PJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God. You know how to compliment people, PJ. <laughs> <laughs> what makes a good voice actor? Well, they have to be creepy looking. <laughs> Oh, no, wait, we have one more piece of news. I, I haven't seen these, but um, is it Cartoon Network? Yeah, part of their the animation shorts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the, bat, the bat space man of Shanghai shorts. <laughs> um, they're online. You can see them online if you, if you didn't catch it during the, the DC Nation block. But I don't think they premiered yet on the DC Nation, have they, PJ? Oh, see, I'm not the person to ask because I, I, I only get to watch these things online. I don't have the channel, so I don't, I don't get to uh, see them in their natural environment. <laughs> because but you can watch them all online. So. Because they've been in reruns, like Green Lantern and Ju- Young Judges have been in reruns, so I've been watching it. And I kind of assumed that uh, the shorts would just be repeats, too. See. So uh, I, I kind of thought that this is like, yeah. like a sneak preview of some of the new shorts we're going to be getting when the season starts up again. Right. But, these these three shorts are probably the best shorts 
<laughs> they've ever showed on the DC Nation blog. I've, you, I've, I've liked a lot of the DC Really? I couldn't, I, they're too, I don't know, trying to, I guess, kitty or comedy. The only one I did like was the Plastic Man one. I thought his was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the Animal Man one. I thought the Animal Man one was good. Um, I think I've even seen that one. I just, I, I think it, it's that real kind of robot chicken approach to, and it, it's just great because it's just, they get to do stuff that wouldn't, you know, it would be almost a waste of money to try and make an entire cartoon about kind of thing. So they just get to have fun in like 30 seconds or so. Um, but the, these ones, yeah, I, I, in all fairness, I'd also say these were probably some of the better ones because yeah. I thought these were awesome. I thought th- this is what, almost what I wish, um, do you remember Batman Gotham Knight? Yeah, yeah, the one with those kids telling about those different yeah. Batmans. Yeah, I, I kind of um, Although, the, like, the whole thing was meant to be Batman anime. Yeah. But kind of, it, it, some, it worked in some of the shorts, and in some of them it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, this would have worked. This was brilliant. And again, it's one of those things that it's, it's maybe not something you'd want to watch an entire series of, or even an entire movie of, mm-hmm. but to just see Batman anime in, in such an anime kind of style, um, I just thought it was really cool. Uh, but yeah, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to watch it. It's so funny hearing you say anime. Uh, really? Anime. <laughs> anime. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my butchering of the Japanese language aside. <laughs> no, I like, because um, the Batman in it, where, like, the kind of bats swirl around him, and he's a bit, he's a bit more magical than, you know, your average Bruce Wayne. Um, but was, yeah, it was awesome. Um, and it was kind of cool how they used all the kind of central characters from Dark Knight Rises because people will kind of know they'll be fresh in people's minds sort of thing. The only thing probably that I didn't like about it was the Bane short where they pretty much did King Kong where he's this big guy <laughs> climbing the building. <laughs> that was the only disappointing part. But the whole fight sequence between Batman and Bane and Catwoman was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't like that design of Bane. Yeah, oh, it's just kind of terrible. I, I mean, I, I think uh, you are only seeing that in a still image, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm only seeing it. Yeah, and I uh, yeah, and I think I completely agree with that. But when you kind of, I think it just it's that kind of over the top Japanese sort of style that I think means they get away with it, and because it's mm. it's almost like a silent movie, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's really no there's dialogue. Very, very At least between the main characters. Yeah, so you really you are really only seeing these characters in a kind of heightened form of what they are. So I think that that makes it acceptable for Bane to be the kind of King Kong in in this version alone, because the, for all the characters they're not relying on dialogue or a plot or kind of a story to you know they're not it's not something that's exploring great character depth. It's just kind of um, visual art. Um, is is where I accept it in my mind. <laughs> that's that's my justification for why I liked it. But yeah, I would definitely recommend checking it out though. I mean, they're yeah. not long at all, so just it's a cool few minutes for, to spend watching some cool action sequence with Batman, Catwoman, and Bane. All right, cool. I um, have one more bit of news. Was there just yeah. come into my head um, that I believe. You guys, across the pond, you got yourself some Batman Live uh, in this last week. Yeah, it just premiered this week, which, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to. (laughs) Um, You do not go to a lot of stuff. (laughs) Uh, San Diego Comic-Con, 
um, Star Wars is Celebration. It, is it close enough for you to get to, Tim, where it is? I think because I did uh, from it. <laughs> yeah, I'm really close to it, actually. <laughs> really? Oh, shit. <laughs> Down the street. <laughs> it's maybe like 20 minutes away. <laughs> oh, my God, Tim. What's wrong with you? You call yeah. yourself a Batman fan? I uh, know. I'm horrible. First, I didn't like Kevin Conway's voice as a kid, and now I'm not seeing Batman live. Because <laughs> uh, from what I've read, there, there have been a few tweaks, so I'm just interested to see what they are. Because, I mean, it, I think it's kind of natural, because, you know, it's been touring for a year now. So they then, before they brought it to America, they kind of had a period where they just sort of, um, some of the contracts ran out, so they recast a couple of people and were bringing them up to speed. So I think they've also made a few little tweaks here and there. Nothing major, as far as I'm aware. Certainly nothing from the design uh, side of things. Um, but yeah, so I'm, ju- I'm just interested to see how it how it kind of plays now. Um, because like, and then the the other thing that's really gotten for me um, is that now that it's over there, is that because I I came on board with the show kind of after that first initial media launch. So anything I had a like I helped develop or, or change or tweak was never really used in any of the like promotional material because it, it was done after all the promotional material had like the initial stuff had been done. Uh. Whereas now that obviously the like premiering it to you guys, they've redone all that. So all the costumes that I kind of helped and stuff are appearing on the posters now. Um, nice. Like I noticed for the billboards and stuff, the Robin costume is the one that I helped with rather than the initial one. You know, it's over there. Go watch it, you American listeners, you. Unless <laughs> you live too far away like me, where it's too far to drive 20 minutes distance. So yeah. <laughs> you have a good reason not to. <laughs> in all fairness, Tim, in all fairness, at least you're going to the Dark Knight Returns um, premiere. Yes. Oh, are you? Good. Wow. I didn't know that. It's, it's looking good so far. I'm still waiting for, uh, like, a confirmation email from That's WB. Really? Oh, it's so like as kind of a part of a press sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, it should be cool. I mean, there's a few people I really want to meet. <laughs> and, like, yeah. and Bruce Tim is definitely one of them. So I'm, oh, I'm definitely. hoping he's going to be there. It'd be really cool to meet him. Yeah, You've met him before, though, right? No, I haven't. Oh, I, I thought you did. You get did. to meet Michael Emerson. Tell him, I'll tell him what you think of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell him how great it is that someone's so creepy. <laughs> that would be my question. Yeah. The, the only other thing I see is that um, Christian Bale went to go visit uh, that kid that had leukemia. Yeah, that was such a yeah. great story. <laughs> yeah. He's really, he's really, you know, bringing back the points, isn't he, for the l- little rant he had a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, nobody even thinks about that anymore, I wouldn't think. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, he, I mean he, yeah he visited the, the um, shooting victims yeah. of the theater, and then yeah. now he's doing this with the little kid. Yeah, I mean, it's cool because, I mean, like, the community where this kid lived was trying to get this thing going to, like, get Christian Bale to go over there to have this, like, this big kind of, like, like fundraiser-type thing to get him there. Because they had a Batman event for the kid where he got to turn on the bats and they'll like drive in a Batmobile type car. Oh, I'm so I'm so jealous of that little kid. <laughs> uh, Christian Bale couldn't make that one, so they were kind of disappointed. But then they found out that Christian Bale actually paid for them to fly out to Los Angeles to have a meet. Oh. So it was like must have been a really cool experience. <laughs> just again, show you how great Christian Bale is. I mean, to yeah, make the time, yeah. if you couldn't go there, just to have them come out, which is great. 
Cool. <laughs> and the, um, the the kids go into remission as well, I believe, which is yeah, that's good. And there's really nice end to the story sort exactly, of thing. Yeah. That All right, so um, let's review some comics. Uh, we should say that this is very spoilery. It's a word. Spoilery is, is a word. Um, so yeah, if you haven't read the comics yet, you might want to has pause in your iPod or your iTunes or your iPhone. Um, so for this episode, we're reviewing the past two weeks, um, which was the weeks of August 29th and September 5th. August 29th, we got Detective Comics Annual number one, uh, Batman Beyond Unlimited number seven, and Justice League number 12. And for September 5th, we got Batman or Batwing number zero, Detective Comics number zero, and... That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for August 29th, um, PJ, because yeah. tired of hearing uh, Tim's voice because it's irritating. Of course, we, finish, we get everything first, so. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. I, I hate you. I hate you so much. I just want to see Dread so bad. I just want to see Dread so bad. Um, so, PJ, Detective Comics Annual number one. Yes. What did you think? What um, did you think? Because you got it two weeks early. I was, yeah. I was, I was just so glad that we, we, we got this story. Because, you know, since the New 52 began, one of the things I've just been thinking about for so long is just, I really need to know what happened to Black Mask. <laughs> and, and, and we finally did. So, you know, it was... It was a brilliant use of an annual issue to find out that story that made no sense. <laughs> or made very little sense, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know, I really don't know what to say because I really don't know how much I should care about this issue. Because it's obviously, it was something that Tony Daniel had set up. It was probably going to play out, but then Tony Daniels left Detective anyway. Um... And so it kind of had that feeling of a little bit of a, a rush job, but it, it it didn't set anything up and it didn't really answer any questions. So that's I, so it's hard to, it's hard to have an opinion about such a kind of middle of the road issue. A crappy uh, issue is more like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you have anything else to say, BJ? That just that they would have been. So much if they'd wanted to reintroduce Black Mask that badly, they'd have been better served waiting, you know, down the line and doing it within a proper story, um, with a proper writer. Ooh, I went there. <laughs> um, to, you know, rather than just a, a, a done in one issue, which didn't really do anything for for anyone, really. Um, well, he was he was in the Detective Comics. Yeah, the uh, one-off Night of Owls. Yeah, yeah. He and even that just sort of. Uh, it, it was. It's the the hard thing about the new Fifty Two is that you know how careful they have to be when they reference stuff from pre Fifty Two. Um, because you know, obviously, so much has changed, and and there's. It, for me, it's very dangerous that when they start referencing that previous stuff because they, I mean, so many plot holes are kind of going to appear due to that. And and the Wapen great big one that was as soon as they decided to bring Black Mask back, but 
carry on the story that they'd set up with Arkham taking over the Black Mask mantle is that that whole thing was kind of born out of the fact that Black Mask died. Um, and the way that they explained that he hadn't really died was really the way that I've just explained that he hadn't really died, that it turns out he didn't really die. There was just no, there was no, like, concrete, I kind of, okay, we know we told you before that he was dead, and you all saw him get shot in the face, but here's how that didn't actually happen, kind of explanation. And, um, Tony Daniel wrote that too, right? Yeah, uh, um, in the Batman run. Yeah, the Arkham... Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, just to me, it seemed like it was too much Tony Daniel trying to, you know, trying to make something... Almost trying to go back to something that he'd almost done right in his run. I mean, you know, there are very few saving graces about the Tony Daniel writing um, issues of Batman, but the the Black Mask story that he did with Arkham was, was, you know, at best okay. Um, but it just he it just seems he's muddied it a bit by going back to it and and then having to sort of deal with the whole new fifty two thing. Before I get into my review, Tim, what did you think? I actually didn't hate this issue. Uh, it might be because the last what three issues of Detective where we had that horrible storyline of Bister Toxic or whatever that clone guy was. Or these characters I, that nobody cared about. I didn't about. even. Yeah, I didn't even read that. I, yeah. mean, I just skimmed through the issues. But I mean, at least this one had some familiar Batman villains. I mean, it was kind of cool to see Mad Hatter back. Uh, it it kind of went. Uh, it reminded me of that animated series episode, Animal Act, where Mad Hatter's at the circus and he's like dressed up as yeah. a clown, infiltrating the circus. I got that vibe from it. Did that not spoil the reveal for you, though? Yeah, I knew right away it was a yeah. Bad when so, I saw just, it. Yeah, so so did I, and I didn't. I didn't even actually realize that I was meant to not realize it was the Mad Hatter because I saw it was like, oh cool, the Mad Hatter's there. That's cool. Yeah, because <laughs> the thing about it, um, Bruce is looking at the Batcave and he he suspects Mad Hatter right away. And the very next page and panel, you see that little clown, and it's like, yeah, okay, right away. <laughs> could, could you make it more obvious? So, and then five pages later, it's the I am the Mad Hatter, yeah. and you're like, yes, and. <laughs> The one thing I would say is Batman has some pretty cool moments, I would say, especially where he's uh, taking on that guy with the bull mask, was named Mad Bull or something. After, <laughs> after he rips his mask off, he just starts, like, pounding his face into the ground and just asking for information. I that was pretty cool. And then he had another uh, moment of the issue with uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, where he's just asking them where the Mad Hatter is, and he's chasing him on a motorcycle, and he starts dragging... <laughs> One of the brothers on the motorcycle just throws him into a building to get the information he needs. Was that scene necessary at all? Probably not, but it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I know exactly what you guys are saying. There's really no point to the story, probably, later on. It's not setting up anything, like you said, because pretty much Black Mask goes back to jail. Yeah. He's not in possession of his helmet or the mask. So, yeah, so we're kind of right back to where we were. Yeah. So, but if anything, I wasn't bored reading it. I had a little more fun reading it than previous Tony Daniel, Daniel, uh, Tony Daniel issues recently. So, if it was going to be his last one, it was probably one of, I wouldn't say his better ones, but at least one I didn't absolutely hate <laughs> for him to go off on. Yeah. Okay. Um, Detective Comics Annual number one. I'm just going to cut to the chase. And, and you loved it. <laughs> and see, so yeah, I... <laughs> 
I didn't like this issue at all. I mean, the first part is just so boring. I mean, even though it was great to see Clayface, and, like, the second part was just ridiculous and uninteresting, and, like, the first part is just boring and stupid. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really care for the magic hat or totems or whatever, and, you know, the back and forth between Mad Hatter and Black Mask. Um... I mean, it, it was just exactly that, a back and forth. I mean, they just kept going back and forth and back and forth while they're fighting, and it's back and forth and back and forth, not really doing anything. And um, Batman seemed like an afterthought. I mean, I mean that's okay if you want to do that, but I don't know. It, it, it seemed like all he did was show up and, and beat up some guys till they told him where to find what he's looking for and, and left, and it was that over and over again. Um, but that's, you know, kind of my problem with, with this book. I mean, it's one of many, but, um, just the only one I can think of right now is, um, I didn't like how Tony Daniel told a piece of the story with the, with Black Mask and Mad Hatter. And then he cut to Batman or Gordon, or Gordon finding something and catching up to Black Mask and, and Mad Hatter. I mean, I, I think it's okay to do that, but, I mean, it, in this issue, that situation, uh, it, it, it felt like math homework. <laughs> and, but, um, anyways, I guess I'll wrap this, uh, review up. Um, it felt like Daniel's trying to do too much, like he always does. Yeah. And it, it, it just made it that much harder to read, just like that, that previous storyline with Mr. Toxic. And with the, with the doll maker storyline and every other storyline, um, but my biggest complaint is the five dollar price tag on this issue. Oh yeah, <laughs> that I almost feel ripped off. I mean, yeah, Daniel's art was okay. Oh no, wait, Daniel Tony Daniels didn't even do the art in this book, right? Didn't he? I know if he did do it, he had some help with it because I know he wasn't the only one. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the art was okay, but it wasn't worth $5. Uh, it was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, if, if the Detective Comics number zero was priced $5, I would have perfectly fine with that. But, uh, this was just a complete ripoff and a complete waste of time. Uh, after I started it, I was just waiting for it to end, to be honest with you. And, uh, it was quite a journey before it ended. Uh, did not like this issue at all. I'm glad Tony Daniels gone. Um, okay, so um, yeah, every week we we always give our, I mean we always give our reviews with a different kind of theme. This episode we're gonna do how many bat Batman are in our basements, which sounds kind of dirty, but <laughs> for some reason, but it made a good title for the Batman the Animated Series episode. Okay, so. <laughs> So for this issue, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give this this issue a uh, half <laughs> a half of Batman. I'm sure yeah, so. I'm sure I'm gonna be the highest. Um, I'm gonna give it two Batman in my basement out of five. You are going to be the highest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna give it one Batman in my basement. Just just the one. <laughs> yeah, if I didn't have those cool Batman moments for me, it'd be lower. That's kind of <laughs> the highlight of the issue. Yeah, but still, I mean, you can't you can't make up an issue 
of just that. Yeah, I totally agree. But so, uh, yeah, so half for me, two for you, P- uh, Tim, and one for PJ. <laughs> but at least now uh, Finch is off Dark Knight and Tony Daniels off Detective, so this is, we have a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dark Knight's already proven to be good, and now hopefully Detective will join us so all the Bat books can be good issues or good stories now. Yeah. Uh, so, Tim, did you want to take uh, the the Batman Beyond Unlimited yeah. number seven? Yeah, so again, I just continue to love the series more and more. A lot of the reason has to be because we get flashback sequences of the Justice League Unlimited team, which takes us back to the original Justice League series, kind of tells you what happens to some of the League members after the series ended. And this one had to do with uh, Aqua Girl and Aquaman, kind of like her origin story and what happened to Aquaman after the League. It was a kind of cool story where she gets kidnapped by uh, Granny Goodness, but uh, Aquaman thinks Orion had something to do with her kidnapping, so he holds Orion captive in Atlantis. But then they find out he was, and they team up together to go to Apocalypse and bring her back. And then the main story of the Justice League in Batman Beyond was where Apocalypse is still under attack, and they have to fight off this like big serpent monster who's pretty much destroyed New Genesis, but is now destroying Apocalypse. But that story wasn't the highlight of this issue for me. It was probably the uh, Superman-Batman one, or the Superman Beyond, because uh, Bruce Wayne, as an older Bruce Wayne, teams up with uh, Superman in his Batman costume. That's where the last issue left off, and I couldn't wait to see how that uh, fight turned out. And it was pretty cool to see. I mean, the costume Bruce has is pretty similar to the Dark Knight Returns uh, costume he wore when he fought Superman. So just seeing them fight together in, those, in that costume was pretty cool. I just don't know if this is actually before uh, Terry McGinn is, is Batman, where Bruce Wayne is kind of doing the little things still as Batman before he fully retires, because they didn't mention him in this issue. So I'm kind of wondering if this is, like, maybe one of Bruce's final uh, attempts at being Batman before he fully retires. And then they had the other story with uh, the Joker still going on. But in that one, we find out that Bruce is having... Terry finds him in the cave, like, unconscious. And then we find out he has liver failure. So that's another subplot that just came out of nowhere, which just kind of makes me think about the episode epilogue. Because if I remember right, that's kind of how Terry found out he was Bruce's son when he found out he had the only matching... Like, uh, he was the only one who could uh, donate... Uh, to Bruce in order to have that surgery. So I'm wondering if they're going that route or the plant leading up to that epilogue episode. But I think it's a little too early in Terry's career to be going that route because in that episode, he was pretty much a full-grown adult, and in this one, he's still in high school. So they've done a good job in this whole series of keeping the continuity good, like a good continuation of it. So I hope they don't kind of mess with it a little bit here and do things too early. But overall, it's still... Batman Beyond Unlimited is still one of my favorite comics to get, so for this one I'm going to give it four Batman in my basement out of five. Still continues to be a solid issue. So did they did they reference the Joker, were you saying? Or? No, there's a storyline going on where a bunch of Jokers from all over the world are teaming up to gather in Gotham. Oh, Jokers with a Z. Yeah. Not, yeah, okay. So then that's where that whole Bruce Wayne and his liver failing subplot came up in that storyline. Right, right, right. That Joker storyline's been going on for a while now, so I think it's almost time for that to start wrapping up yeah. or to start dragging on. I take it I'm the only one who read it. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't read it. There are no Batmans in my basement for that book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, okay, I, I guess I'll do Justice League 12. Um, I like this issue. Uh, the beginning was a little slow with the un- kind of unnecessary recap through the TMZ yeah. thing. <laughs> that's always uh, DC says, oh, we don't like doing recaps. It's like an insult to our readers who don't who can't remember <laughs> like what happened. And then they do uh, that in the first few pages. <laughs> it, it's a good jumping on point if you're a new reader, though. I mean, you get, you get to literally read what you missed. Um, but yeah, the, the story picks up with the, you know, uh, Justice League in that temple uh, being tempted by people close to them that that died. I mean, are, are those things spirits? They are, right? I mean, fake spirits. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, my question, though, is, like, can the other Justice League members see the other hallucinations of other people's loved ones? Like, can Clark see Bruce talking to his parents and vice versa? Or is it just for the person? Like, can only Bruce see his parents and Clark can only see, um... I think, uh, I think they Hawkeye. can because, um, it's... I think the Flash says to Green Lantern, don't fall for it when he sees his dad. Yeah, uh, yeah but, like, well, can... Like, maybe can, he just um, sees something that's not his dad, yeah. but he sees, like, some I, spirit, but... Yeah. I also think it's probably covered up by the fact that because they all have their own, they're all probably too preoccupied with their own to be paying attention to anyone else's. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, because that's kind of how they... At least that two pages where it shows everyone looking at yeah. their family members. They're all preoccupied, like you said, or they don't care what's going on with the other members <laughs> of the league. Yeah. Um, anyways, I, I really liked how the you know, league broke free of the spirits and, you know, at, as a team, took down David Gray's. And, you know, his downfall is pretty cool. I mean, it was yeah. it's like the league breaks through the spirits and through the armor and Graves kind of explodes. And, and now he's like a, a weak, sick guy again. It's, it's pretty grotesque. Um, David Graves. Yeah. Starkseid really screwed him up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was also great to see that, you know, Steve Trevor isn't dead. I mean, I thought he was dead. <laughs> yeah, I kind of knew that. I kind of saw that And I mean... It was great to see him help out the Justice League, but but I can't see how he could have held and shot a gun with his broke, broken fingers. And, and like, how did he hold Diana's hand, uh, Wonder Woman's hand, if he had broken fingers? <laughs> Willpower can overcome every, anything. I mean, I guess so, but... <laughs> um, yeah, I also like how um, Diana tells Steve that she thinks that you know the separation between them that that she forced upon him wasn't far enough, and and that the league is gonna ask for another representative. Representative. I that was kind of up. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I was like, wow. I mean, he did all this yeah, stuff exactly. for you, and you're just like, <laughs> um, this is the thing. Like, but, <laughs> but still, but still, I mean, I, I like how Steve is finally standing up for himself, and you know, pretty much ended things between uh, him and Diana. Um. I also like the the conversation between the league, um, minus Superman and Wonder Woman. I mean, it, it, it feels like they're having an actual conversation, and it's not just you know snappy one-liners and stuff like that. Um, 
and it's also great to see Hal be the better man and become the fall guy for the league. So, yeah. so that they'll get a positive reception uh, from the public again. Uh, I, I think that's what makes Hal such an interesting character. I mean, like, yeah, he can be rude and obnoxious, but he can also be a hero. And I, that's what makes him such a great character. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you didn't really like that, Tim, because you were, <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, why, well, why does it have to be Green Lantern? <laughs> No, well, I, I agree exactly what you're saying. It was cool that he did that. I just didn't like the fact that he's quitting the team and now the team will be out, will be without Hal Jordan as the Green Lantern. <laughs> that was the only complaint True, I had. True, but um, for me, it was kind of not long overdue, but the whole kind of the real differences between yeah. Hal Jordan in Justice League and Hal Jordan in Green Lantern, there's now kind of finally a kind of way of explaining where, the, where those events took place. So you kind of would assume that all the stuff that's happened in the Green Lantern series itself happens after he's quit the Justice League. Yeah, it does. At least that's what I'm going to assume. Yeah, it does seem to tie up to it pretty nicely. Where we kind of knew it was coming, but I just kind of wish he was on the team a little longer than what he was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but there's still, at least for the Justice League, there is the five years of history there. Um, you know, we, I, I still can't wait to see what went down with Martian Manhunter. Yeah, uh, which was only teased as a kind of in between thing. So I th- and you know he'll be back. It's comics for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> so with so many Green Lanterns, you never know which one's going to be on the lead. <laughs> well, yeah, and that is true because they they're definitely pushing the new guy, aren't they? Yeah, but he's already going to be on Justice League of America, so you know he won't be on the main lead. Kyle Rayner, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um... The kissing scene. <laughs> I actually like the whole kissing scene between um, Diana and Clark. Um, I felt it was, you know, in the moment, impulsive kind of thing. And um, Jeff Johns just nailed that dialogue between them, you know, about loneliness and isolation and uh, what it means, or being a superhero. And it seems like that's what the two characters needed personally at that time. Um but what really stands out in this one scene is Jim Lee's art, where we see, you know, Clark and Diana on the roof of the the Lincoln Memorial at night with the with the with the moonlight and stuff. I mean, there there's one panel uh, right before the kiss where Diana's facing us and looking at Clark. Yeah. I mean, that panel, that one panel is absolutely beautiful. Um, just beautifully done by by Jim Lee. Um, I. I I think his art in this in, in this one scene is is some of the best we've seen so far in this book, um, and it was the perfect way to end the issue. And the art in that scene, like I said, was absolutely beautiful. I just can't say enough about that that art. Um, yeah, o- overall, I, I like this issue. It was a great way to end this storyline, and I I really want to see how the team is going to move on from Hal taking the fall for the team, and if and if and when he'll ever be back um and you know i want to see if uh the the kiss between clark and diana will affect the team if if at all so yeah i, I would probably give this a a four and a half out of five batman in my basement cool do you not think that the kissing scene would have been so much better had it not been rammed down our throats for the week prior <laughs> by yeah. all different marketing and the fact that it was changed to be the well, cover yeah for me 
I didn't, I mean, I heard about it, but I didn't, you know, read in depth about it. I, I didn't right. Read, at the time, I didn't really care. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was just shocked about so many, like, even my local news station were reporting on it. Saying, oh, yeah. And Wonder Woman are getting together. I'm just surprised how much publicity it got, because it's not like this is the first time yeah. they well, ever I, I don't get why that couldn't have, the media circus, why that couldn't have been done after the issue. Yeah. It, it just, uh, that was, I mean, because I joked about it before saying that it felt like the whole issue was actually just the three pages at the end. Um, and you just talking about it then, Dane, actually reminded me that this was actually a good issue. It, it was a great ending to the, the Graves storyline um, and, and the whole Hal kind of being the scapegoat for the team thing. But And then that got buried under just not, you know, obviously it's going to impact and it's going to be important later on. But in terms of that one issue, it was just such a trivial little sort of add-on extra at the end to, to what was a great issue on its own merit to begin with. But but to call that one scene uh, add-on is kind of, I mean, it, it was written and drawn so well that it, calling yeah, it an add-on kind of sounds... Um, I unfair. It, no, I think I only feel that way because it was, for me, it was blown way out of proportion. Um, yeah. And, and I didn't get to enjoy it. Because it was, yeah, it, it just sort of, because I knew it was coming, it felt like, like, you know, the issue finished and then we got Superman and Wonder Woman on the roof and you were like, okay, this is going to be this bit kind of thing. So it almost felt like an epilogue. Um, whereas had I not known what was coming, I think it would have felt a lot more naturally part of the overall issue. Um, Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it probably will when I read it again and when I read it as part of the whole thing in the future. I think I just, yeah, if anything, I'm only sick of of just the kind of... uh, The the fact that they made it pre-me going into reading the issue, they just had put so much attention on it. Well, if if you... You hit on a good point there about epilogue. Yeah. Um, you know, after they take down Graves and uh, Diana's is at, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, Steve Trevor's bedside when he's in the hospital. Yeah. That kind of felt like the epilogue. And, and the whole conversation with uh, between Batman and Flash and Green Lantern and right. all, yeah, all yeah, those yeah. guys, that, that, that yeah. kind of felt like the epilogue. And this was just a nice ending to the story is, is what I felt. But um, what did you think about it, PJ? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I thought it was a good issue. Um, and, yeah, I, I thought it was a good issue for more than just the the, the big kind of hype bit at the end. Um, I, I, yeah, I, re- I liked the, um, for the character reasons, I like the fact that Hal decided to become the scapegoat. Like you said, that it's kind of, it is that thing of most of the time he comes off as kind of a bit of a jerk. But he he does uh, appreciate and know what the right thing to do is, um, and the fact that they even acknowledge the fact that you know as Green Lantern most of his work isn't really done on Earth anyway, so he he has that detachment from from Earth, um, and can you know felt like he could leave sort of thing. I thought it was interesting how they made a very quick reference to the fact that Batman's the leader of the team. I love that one. Um, and, <laughs> that was one of my and that was decided sort of um, earlier. The, the, the other uh, character moment that I really liked in the issue and want to see explored further is the idea that Cyborg's dead. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, because I know that they were fake spirits and that was kind of just Graves messing with them. 
but I think it still it still plants that as an idea, um, which makes the whole thing very Blade Runner for me, which I I totally dig sort of thing is to, uh, that whole you know when it's a robot, what is real and what is not type thing. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, I thought Graves was yeah a really great villain, and it was great that they all teamed up. So yeah, I mean I've I've been loving Justice League um, as as an issue. Maybe I just had had a gut reaction to uh, <laughs> some of the external factors. Um, but you're right, the the Lee art was amazing. I was looking back at those panels as you were talking about them, and that they are definitely some of the best stuff in there. Um, and then of course it was interesting that we got the whole teased for what's coming next year yeah i i didn't really respond to that i just no. thought it was you know okay i guess this is happening <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah at the end <laughs> i said yeah the, the thing that kind of i kind of groaned a little bit at of all the little stuff that they teased was the whole um um it means that the justice league has got a traitor line that Cyborg says in one of the panels, um, which is like, it's so a kind of little thing that they put almost like on a TV show. Um, but also, you know, how many team-up books have done a storyline where one of them has been a traitor? Why is there always a traitor? <laughs> why, why aren't people more suspicious? Or why don't they take better security measures to stop this from happening? It's just happened in Suicide Squad. And it always happens. There's always a traitor. <laughs> you know what would be a better storyline? No traitors. <laughs> or a storyline where they think everyone's a traitor, and then no one is. <laughs> but yeah, so um, that's me being... This is the real British cynicism coming out <laughs> on this, uh, this particular podcast. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly in the face of all of that and say that I'd probably give it a, a four Batmans in my basement out of five. Yeah, for me, pretty much right there with you guys. I thought this issue was great. It wrapped up the whole great storyline perfectly, in my opinion, I think. And I just like the moment, too, in the very beginning where everyone's seeing, like, their family members in those spirit forms. I particularly like the Batman one where um, it reminded me in the Mask of the Phantasm movie where you see that scene where Bruce is at his parents' grave kind of asking for their permission to, is it okay to live a happy life since it wasn't part of his plan? And in this sequence, he kind of got that answer he was looking for, where they said, we we only want you to be happy, so you don't have to avenge us. I thought that was a great moment for Batman, even though it turned out not to be real. But like you said, the whole thing with uh, Hal Jordan quitting the league, even though I wish he was still a member of the team, it was a pretty good moment to see Hal step up and do that, which I don't know about you guys, but just reminded me of the Dark Knight ending where Bruce says he's going to take the fall for the murders of Harvey Dent. I just, it just reminded me of that right away when I read it, where he says someone has to take the fall. And then, like I said earlier, with uh, Steve Trevor, the scene with Wonder Woman with him in the hospital, just, it was a great moment, but just I just couldn't think, man, this poor Steve Trevor went all this way to protect the Justice League, didn't give in to Graves' torture that he put him through, and then Diana just goes and tells him, we're going to get a new liaison, <laughs> because yeah. we don't want you to get hurt anymore. <laughs> I Like Dane said, I love his reactions, it's like, just get out. I don't want to see you anymore. <laughs> like, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how this leads into him joining the Justice League of America. I just yeah. wonder how much at odds the, the two teams are going to be in the future. If they're going to be like in competition with each other, or if there's going to be a lot of like, I guess not team ups, but battles against each other, like crossover yeah. stuff going on. 
So we'll see what that happens. I think it's safe to say Batman won't be happy. Just because, yeah. you know, Batman... Batman's never happy, but <laughs> he already seemed to have a pretty big problem with Justice League International. Yeah, that's already the, got Yeah, and the fact that this team will have Katana and Catwoman in, who are, you know, kind of straying to the other sides of the law in Gotham, I think he'll he'll certainly have something to say about that. And like you said earlier, Peter, I just love that line, Batman says, when Aquaman says he can lead the league into a new yeah. era, and Batman goes, we all know that I call the shots here. <laughs> we agreed that a long time ago. <laughs> Yeah, that was a great line. The only thing I'm hoping for, like you guys were talking about, is uh, the, those preview panels where it's going to happen next year in Justice League. There's that last panel where it shows like a photo of the league ripped up. I just hope this team doesn't disband already because it's still yeah for only one year into this team, and if they're going to break them up and get a whole yeah. new team besides like the main three of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, I'd be disappointed with that because right now they got a good group here. I think. With Cyborg, Aquaman. It it is the iconic group, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And let's just give them a few more years before like retooling it again. Hopefully, that's what Justice League America would serve. Instead of retooling the main Justice League, you just get another team in there with different heroes while still keeping the main team. So I hope that's where it goes. Okay. Cool. So, so what would you give it? Four. I give it four and a half. Batman's in my basement. Uh, (laughs) Copy me again, Tim. We were so close to all three of us having the same score, which I don't think I know. <laughs> sure, you don't want to bump it up to half point, PJ? I have about that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> all right, so for the weeks, that's the end of the week. Um, and we're pretty much all in agreement that Justice League was the best out of all of them, right? Or oh, except for you, Tim, right? Uh, Batman Annual is pretty hard to beat, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, I think Justice League was better, a little bit better than yeah. Batman Beyond. So, yeah, Justice League, definitely the best one from last week. Okay, cool. Um, so for the week of September 5th, we have Batwing number zero and Detective Comics number zero. Let's start with Batwing number zero. And, Tim, you take it. Yes, sir. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought this was a good issue. This is probably out of the first zero issues. This is the first one I read from the ones that I picked up. And it was good to finally have a Batwing issue where it just focuses on David again and more of his origin story. We got a little bit of it in Judd Winnick's first run with him and his brother as soldiers. But now we get more to what happened to him after they weren't he wasn't a soldier anymore. And while I thought it was a little predictable as to what's going to happen, I mean, we get to see uh, Matu Bat as a young man instead of his, him as an older man and as kind of his mentor. But then there was another woman with him named Renee. Yeah. And it, did you it, did you notice that um, they, Matuba and his wife Renee didn't age at all <laughs> in the entire issue? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's true. I didn't notice it, but now that you say it. <laughs> well, Matu's definitely aged in the current Batwing run, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but. Ages. <laughs> but yeah, I did think it was kind of. Li- predictable where you knew something bad was going to happen to them, and you kind of knew it was going to be Renee because uh, Matuba is still alive in the current Batwing run. So, <laughs> you know, it wasn't him who was going to go. Oh. I did like the uh, the character development of David, where he has all this rage in him, and he wants to use it for good, but he's kind of going about it the wrong way. But at the same time, he still has like that honor code of not wanting to kill anyone, but just pretty much beat him up on the brink of death. <laughs> Which I think makes sense for uh, Batman wanting to recruit him in the end, knowing that 
he has what it takes to fight the necessary crime in Africa, but yet he does have a moral code that'll keep him from crossing that line. I did like the moment where he actually does meet up with Batman at the end and takes him to the back gate, but he's just in shock and awe. But now I finally know who to blame for the horrible Batwing costume, and it unfortunately is Batman. <laughs> I always thought maybe like Bruce gave him the resources and stuff to make his own suit, but now we see that Bruce had that suit design all along, and he's to blame oh, for really? the design. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Bruce. <laughs> you see, I like it. I, I mean, I like the light blue. I, I don't know what people... It's the mask. The mask and the oh, tears that make it. I mean, if you're going to... And so the fact yeah. that they have a cow covering his head, I think that's the big thing. So you're saying that they, they should have just went with the... Go ahead, PJ. I was just saying, the fact that it's armor still bugs me. Especially because it's Africa. That's, that's a hot country. <laughs> Maybe there's a coolant in the suit that keeps them cool. That, 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 that better be. <laughs> it's all, yeah, it's just, it's far too close to Bat Iron Man type thing. And, you know, the, it it could be cooler. Is all I'm going to say. It could be cooler and more in, in both the temperature way and <laughs> the, uh, the awesomeness way. <laughs> so what would you give it to? I'd probably give it uh, three Batman in my basement out of five. That was a good continuation of uh, getting to know more of David's origin story. Which I, you know, also, I know I've been complaining in previous issues that they seem to always have to team him up with somebody. So it was good <laughs> to finally have him, like, the main focus of his own comic for once. Yeah. <laughs> um, you didn't read it, did you, PG? I didn't, but the, okay. the the one thing I can say about this is it's probably the one that I will eventually read because I'm really interested in getting the collected set of the Zero issues, you know, when they do, because I think they're going to do, a, like, an oversized trade of all of them, like they did with the number ones. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm really interested in getting that because it's going to be a great way to sample the series that I don't read, but I'm not going to buy each individual issue because I'm not that rich. <laughs> so I'm going to have to wait and kind of buy the buy the collected version as a one-off. Um, so I will read it, and I will give you my review in about a year's time. <laughs> I can't just wait. Re- just remember, you're still going to have to use the Batman in your basement scale. So. <laughs> um, okay, so I pretty much agree with you, Tim. I, I liked how Matu and his wife, Renee, were an integral part of David's life. I mean, they're, they're pretty much foster parents for him. And, and, and how they, you know, they, they tried to keep David's anger and, you know, his hate at bay. And I also liked how, uh, Wilnick added that aspect, um, you know, David's uncontrollable anger and hate to, to his history. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was kind of odd though that, even though Matuba's wife was, uh, you know, a huge part of David's life, um, she wasn't mentioned or even hinted at in any of the other issues of Batwing. That's true. Um, <laughs> but, and, and yeah, like I said, when you're re- reviewing it, Tim, that Matsu and his wife don't age a day from, from when David's a kid to when he joins the police force. Um, but yeah, I, I can look past all that, and, and you know, I, I really like that part of the book. What I didn't like was um, was was Death Jack. Yeah, he wasn't the <laughs> he, best he, uh, he he just reminded me of a story we just got over with Lord Battle. Yeah, I know what you're talking um, about. 
And even though, you know, David needed something traumatic to happen to him to pave to pave the way to becoming Batwing, Death Jack was just wasn't it. <laughs> That's uh, one negative about the series in general. I think besides Massacre, who was a good villain, he hasn't had many good villains after yeah. that so far. <laughs> he he, um, he almost felt unnecessary and and over the top. I mean, I almost wish Winnick went with the you know the Bruce Wayne type story where the person who killed Renee was a was a random criminal and not you know some buffed up guy with some kind of fire magic or whatever he had. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think I think that Winnick um, ma- makes up for it with the scene of David vowing to avenge uh, Renee's death and the whole the whole scene where David and Matu go to Gotham and they, you know they see. They see the Batcave, and then they see um, uh, the the Batwing suit. Um, the art was also good, um, especially the the last page where we see the Batwing suit, and you know the action. All of the action sequences are really, really well done. And um, even though you know it has everything to do with Death Jack, <laughs> I also thought I've been mentioned this before, but it was like kind of like a little throwback to year one, his pre Batwing costume that he was using. I thought it was yeah. pretty cool too. Yeah, but it kind of reminded me of the, um, you know, the French Batman, Night Runner. Is that his name? <laughs> I don't even know. Who we're still waiting for to come back in some way too. <laughs> He's not coming back. But anyways, o- overall, if I ignore the parts with the with with um, Death Jack, <laughs> I, I I really liked what Winnie did with with this issue and you know David's history with all those anger and hate and how. His story seems to be like Bruce's story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this issue was was all right, uh, so I'm gonna give it three Batman in my basement out of five. Uh, so now you're copying me, huh? No, <laughs> I no, no. <laughs> I, I read this on Wednesday, and uh, I made I made my decision then. So <laughs> you're copying me. Yeah. That's true. I read it. I just barely read it yesterday. <laughs> Uh, so Detective Comics number zero. You know what? I'll take this because I'm so uh, selfish. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, <laughs> uh, or, or or did you want to go first, PJ? No, no, take it away, Tim. No, go for it. You get okay. to ha- you get to have one movie come first. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so I, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to buy me with uh, giving me yeah, yeah. the first thought. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, I really like this issue. I think it's the best zero issue we've gotten so far. Um, first off, I liked how Bruce shows up to the temple, and, you know, Sheehan's wife says there's no one with that name there, and, you know, Bruce sits down and waits, like... It seems like a couple of days, right? Because yeah. it's like sunshine, no sunshine, sunshine, no sunshine. And, um, you know, I, I also liked seeing Bruce learning new fighting techniques and learning how, you know, to do that meditation technique. And I like how that meditation technique is a part of his training. Um, but what really stood out for me was how Hurwitz puts Bruce into a moral struggle. Uh, you know, Sheehan repeatedly tells Bruce of the importance of not letting anyone into your life or making, um, 
any kind of connection with anyone and that love and compassion are a weakness and will only lead to some kind of doom. But yet, like, Sheehan is married. That was kind of, you know, a little hole in the story. But um, I, I, I like how she, Sheehan's wife um, tells Bruce not to become a cold, heartless person who's who's closed off to the world. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, I like how Hurwitz puts Bruce in that situation with the girl you know, at the, the sword sharpening shop. <laughs> Is that what you call it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Good enough for me. <laughs> and, and, you know, he, he leaves the decision up to, up to Bruce whether or not he's going to, you know, be with this girl. But, um, and, you know, go against his, his training. Um, and, you know, a, a, after that, you know, set up, it all falls together really, really nicely. Um, with Bruce choosing not to close himself off completely and going to see the girl. And how the girl was actually a hired assassin who was, who was paid to make Bruce fall for her, uh, by Sheehan's wife who, who wanted him dead for his money. <laughs> Which is your typical comic book or is, typical is that- story. But, um, she wanted Bruce dead, or she wanted her husband dead. Her husband. For, oh, for, for his money, though? Or just because he was cold and emotionless and all the things that she was saying she didn't want Bruce to be? It was kind of both, actually. Yeah. Because he asked her, uh, do you want my fortune? She says yes, but then she says, I couldn't like, live in this tomb with you anymore. Right. Because <laughs> th- this was my... Uh, you know, not to sort of jump in on your review here, Dan, but my big problem with the end of this issue was the the sort of poor storytelling done by the art. Because, like, the pages, right after she breaks in and she kills um, the sensei guy, and then Bruce unmasks her, and we all knew that was going to be the girl anyway. But then, then, like, the wife comes with her knife, and then the next, like, three panels where she gets stabbed. I don't know who she gets stabbed by. Or does she stab herself? Does he throw the knife? She had. Yeah. Right, she had killed yeah. her, right? Yeah. You're right. Because it's really, I mean, now that you've said that and I can read it, I can see that. But on first read and, like, second read, it's not clear enough to me. Because, um, yeah... Um, and that confused me, so I, I wasn't really sure what was going on and who had killed who sort of thing, but kind of just got the general gist that people were pissed off with each other. <laughs> <laughs> that people are dead. <laughs> yeah, and people are dead. <laughs> and Bruce is alive, as always. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know, I, I think that that part, for me, was really well written, and it was a, it was a twist I kind of didn't see coming, um... You know, in short, I, th- I think it was a really nice payoff for a slow burn kind of issue. Um, it, it, it's not to say everything that came before that was boring or anything, but um, it kind of climaxes really quick at the end. But um, more than anything, I, I think Hurwitz does what he does best in this issue. You know, he gives us a nice, a nice look into the mind of of the characters. Um, uh, I also really like the art, um, especially the last page with Bruce crouched over Sheehan and his wife, and they assassin all of their bodies, and and of course, you know, the entire issue was just a treat to look at, even though Tony Daniels sucks at writing. Uh, 
Uh, what else? Uh, the the backup story was by by James Tinian the fourth. Is that who wrote that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was really good too. I mean, it, it it just gives us a glimpse at what what Alfred was doing all that time. Bruce was gone. You know, he wasn't just dusting you know statues and stuff. Um, he wasn't taking a vacation every year to a cafe. And I like how Tinian added a new subplot to the overall Batman universe story where where Martha Wayne's family yeah. wants yeah. Wayne Manor and some, some kind of assets. Um, it was also great to see Alfred um, being one of the most loyal human beings <laughs> in the world <laughs> and standing his ground against, you know, the, the lawyer guy. Uh, the guard the was also good by Henrik Johnson. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen him do a bat book. Has he has he done one? Not one that I've read. Oh. Tim? Yeah, I don't think so either. I thought his name doesn't sound familiar. Yeah. But I really like his art. I mean there's a couple close ups of a lawyer next to the fire that come across really well and really evil. And you know, his his close ups of Alfred are also, you know, really, really good. Um because we can almost see every emotion in Alfred's face. You know, he's he hates it. Hates this guy. He misses Bruce. Um, and everything. So, so yeah. Overall, I really like this issue. Um, and it's totally, like I said, you know, before, it's totally worth the cover price. In fact, you know, if if this price will switch with the detective annual, I, I, I would have had no problem picking this book up. So, four and a half out of five for um, four and a half out of five Batman in my basement. For me, oh yeah, for me, I absolutely love this issue. I mean, knowing that Greg Hurwitz was going to be the writer on it had uh, my expectations are pretty high on it. So far, everything Greg Hurwitz has done has been great so far. But I just love how it, the issue started with Bruce and his going to get his training from the Sensei. I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for any Bruce Wayne training stories. That's one of my favorite aspects of the character is knowing how hard he trained to become Batman. So, yeah, and. He, he, even though that it was kind of a ripoff of Begins. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the beginning, especially the opening it, shot. It, it was so good. I mean, yeah. Hurwitz makes it work, so it's good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, one of the moments of his training that I really liked was when um, Sensei was like, telling him to like breathe in the darkness and like to make it yours and then like to get rid of the light. But then Bruce kind of asked him, like, why should I like give away like the light that's in myself? Should I not succumb to the darkness? But then the sensei's all like, "You're supposed to protect the lightness like within with others. Like it's not for you to protect it yourself. But you're supposed to protect it like the goodness in everyone else." I really like that aspect of his training. And then kind of what you guys have said early on, um, with uh, that girl with the shorts, the sword sharpening place was the ninja. You kind of saw that the first time. You saw that ninja in the the house, you knew that was her right away. Because just before, she told Bruce that she's going to meet him at his house. But what I didn't see coming, like like you said, Dane, was uh, his wife was the one planning to murder him. Because at first I kind of thought, eh, it's kind of a predictable story with uh, hiding the girl as the ninja assassin. But when we saw that the wife was the one who was going to kill him, that's when I was kind of like, oh, I didn't see that coming. And then just that <laughs> yeah, boss... The, the, the wife looks scary in those yeah. panels. Did you see her yeah. face? Yeah. God... <laughs> And just the last shot, I just love that shot where you see uh, 
them two dead on the ground. You see that look on Bruce's face, which is hiding in, like, the shadows, that scowl that he has. It's, like, one of that moments where, like, he kind of transforms into Batman right there a little bit. Like, yeah, he, he goes has, more... He has the Batman eyes. Exactly, yeah. And then that panel right before it, you just get the parallel of how it's, it's like he lost his parents again. Could you see that clock on the ground and you see the reflection? Bruce has a little kid over his parents' dead bodies. And then on the next page, you get that great end shot of him, of his master's dead bodies there. And he even says that he kind of compared him to his, his new parents. And so it was just like more tragedy for Batman where he loses his real family than when he kind of has a new one, he loses them also. So then, like you said, today in the back of issue, I thought was great. Pretty much agreed with everything you said about that scene. Alfred act the way he did, protecting the like like the Wayne legacy of the house, and then just the like excitement that he had on his face when Bruce finally returned, and just like that sense of relief that he was okay, and that Bruce right. kind of had that like surprise look on his face when Alfred goes to hug him. It was a great moment too, and like you said, that kind of subplot of the Kane family wanting to take over. Like Wayne Manor and all its asset, which I thought was a good story point too. Do you think so, we're going to see any more of that? I hope we do, but yeah, I don't know. Nothing lead me to believe that we are from like some of the upcoming storylines that we've seen. Nothing gives me the impression well, that we will. Isn't James Tinian doing the backups for Detective ongoing? I can't remember what the detectives and or the backups and detectives are going to be. I, I, th- just, I think he's he's writing them. So I think, because, um, well, one thing I can say for the guy is he, he knows how to write a backup, doesn't he? Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> he's, yeah, the, the, all the ones he's done, because I think that's all he's done so far, and they've all been awesome. He also does a really good uh, Mr. Freeze, Tim. You should check <laughs> oh, that out. That was all right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so it was nice to finally read a good comic that had the name Detective on the cover. So. <laughs> I really love this issue. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5 Batman Ooh, in my basement. Wow. I like it that much. The elusive <laughs> 5. <laughs> and like uh, you Dane, definitely the best Zero issue I've read out of all of them, too. <laughs> yeah. With Green Lantern being a close second, because that was really good, too. <laughs> <laughs> Green Lantern. Uh, so, wait, just out of curiosity, what happens in that one? It's basically the origin of the, the new Green Lantern, about how oh, he gets the ring. It's telling the story how he got it. Which, which is, is, is that Sinestro's ring? It's like, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like a fusion between Hal's and Sinestro's ring. Right. So. One day I'll I'll be up to date with Green Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> Not anytime soon. <laughs> There's a lot to catch up with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every time I try, <laughs> they bring a new one around. Yeah. It's like, they keep killing Hal Jordan as well. <laughs> Somewhat killing him. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, half killing. <laughs> now it's like him and uh, Sinestro are trapped in like the Black Lantern ring. <laughs> That's yeah. where they're at now. PJ, what did you think, man? Um, Hit me with your review. Yes. Yeah. A cool person would say. <laughs> I I liked it. I liked the issue. I liked the um, the theme of the story, the whole, you know, attachment and detaching yourself and, and, and having that as part of a Bruce training story obviously worked perfectly. So it was a really good zero issue. My only my only problem is kind of what I mentioned before is maybe it's just me not knowing how to read comics enough. But um, the bit at the end, it, it just felt well, you know, one, once I knew what I, I was meant to have read then that was fine, the story was great, but on that first couple of readings, 
I didn't really, I didn't, I couldn't work out what was going on, and I'd say that's more the art's fault than than the actual story, because it just really confused me as to was suddenly the the wife was evil, or, or was she, who who was she trying to kill, and then who killed her, and and all of those, it, it kind of got all blurred a bit for me. So I I kind of finished the issue knowing that everyone was dead, but not really knowing why. <laughs> um, so then you know when I read a couple of other reviews and you know more intelligent people explained that to me, I, I really liked it. But I still you know so for me I think that the art. Personally, I think the art could have made that clearer. And that's just not one, like, final parting shot at Tony Daniel. (laughs) 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 Finally leaves the Batman universe. Couldn't leave perfectly with one issue. (laughs) Kick him while he's down. So that that did kind of pull it back from being perfect for me. Um, The backup, though, you know, absolutely can only agree with everything you guys have said and would say, you know, this guy can write a backup. So I'm more than happy for him to continue writing these backups because he seems to really know how to pace a story in the few pages that he actually gets. Um, A lot of love for the art as well, which was, yeah, a new artist on on my radar. Um, And uh, you just got to love Bruce's beard. (laughs) that was a pretty damn good beard as far as beards go Um, which was just really cool for that first shot which is like the full page of where he's just standing in the doorway you're like what the hell (laughs) what is that on your face (laughs) doesn't that make you want to see Batman with a beard with a calendar (laughs) exactly how cool would that be Um, and it you know I, I will give I'll give Tony Daniel a small reprieve because my favourite panel in the entire issue, it wasn't actually one of the big kind of blockbuster ones. It's um, sort of early on when um, the, the sensei is talking to Bruce um, about stuff and Bruce is lying on his like makeshift bed that he's got in, in, in the place. But there's like a, there's a, a framed window sort of thing that's casting that kind of light on. And then there's this one panel of a bat flying past the moon out of that window which is just like this really subtle reference to year one and obviously, you know, what's going to happen in however many months when he goes back to Gotham. Um, and the actual, the, the little speech that the sensei is doing in that panel says that you are destined to soar like a god. And I thought that is just a really cool little image that kind of sums up Batman before he is Batman as a kind of real foreshadowing of what's to come. More so than the, you know, as good as that end shot is, where he's, he's again over the dead bodies and you got like the bat in blood kind of behind him. I really preferred that image just because it was a bit more subtle, but still had that kind of iconic um, thing of what's to come. Um, so I did really enjoy it. It just, yeah, I think it, it just tripped up a little bit for me. So I'm, I'm going to just be happy to give it a four Batmans in my basement out of five. Okay, so that's it. I know you will miss the voice of PJ. Peter James and uh, Tim and myself, but we have to leave you for now until two weeks from now. Um, but in the meantime, you can check out our host site, the Batman Universe, at batmanuniverse.net or Facebook at facebook.com slash batmanuniverse or on Twitter, and the Twitter handle is at batmanuniverse. Or if you just type in the Batman Universe uh, in Google or Yahoo or Ask Jeeves, or um Lycos? another Does anyone remember Lycos? Lycos. Lycos. Yeah. No. No. 
I'm not it. familiar with that. <laughs> its logo was a black dog. <laughs> he used to run off and search for things for you, and then he'd come back. <laughs> um, where was I? <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, um, you can also find us on iTunes, as well as all the other Batman Universe podcasts, uh, and you can rev- rate and review us and all the other Batman Universe podcasts. And there's there's like fifty thousand of them, and and Dustin is like on on all of them, and I I don't know how he does it. He must have a lot of free time, or he's um. He just loves Batman so much. He just loves Batman so much. Um, you, you can find um. If you if you love Tim so much, something's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> you need him in your life twenty four seven. He has a Clone Wars site. Well, well, it's not his site. He just posts news and stuff for it. Um, and he's also on their podcast occasionally. Uh, did, did, did you want to talk about it a little bit? Just a little bit. Yeah, just the website is called Frontlines the Clone Wars Podcast. The website is clonewarspodcast.com. Pretty much covering the Star Wars Clone Wars series, but pretty much any big Star Wars news that gets out, we'll be covering that too. So, so especially this month when the season five starts, there'll be a lot of good Clone Wars action to catch up on. So definitely check it out. Yeah, I'm. I haven't even started the first season. I've I've ordered the second season. So get going. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I have till when? Uh, the September twenty ninth. Twenty ninth. Oh my god! So Saturday I have morning cartoons are back. <laughs> Um, also, not having anything to do with Tim. Oh. <laughs> but it, it, if if you like Stella and you can't get enough Stella and you need Stella twenty four seven in your life, well, that was a really bad setup because I don't. She's at the GoPetition dot com slash petition slash backyard dash year dash one html site every day. But she she has the back row to Oracle dot net I think or dot net or dot com. Just just go to Google and type. Batgirl to Oracle, um, but but she has a petition to get um, the Batgirl Year One animated uh, movie back into production. You can find that at gopetition.com/petition/batgirl-year-one.html. Um, yeah, and our outro music is Batgirl. Uh, my name is Dane, and bye everybody. I will see you in two weeks. See everybody, and again, happy 20th anniversary for Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> I can't really top that, so I'll just say bye. <laughs> I can still miss her skin on mine. Well, it's a secret I